Welcome into episode 52 of the Far End of the Bench with Jimmy Pilato and Nico Bryant. Thank you guys for tuning in. We have wall-to-wall podcasts, so it will make this intro short and sweet. We talk Olympic recap. Nico talks about the NBA draft and the summer league that's starting off in a center of attention. We talk about our interview coming up on Friday with Kendrick Green, another shameless plug there, Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern on hingedsn.airtime.pro. But uh, you can also follow us on our social medias at FEOTV pod. It's the best way to keep up with everything going on. Uh, podcast wise, subscribe to our YouTube channel, leave a, a like and a comment on the videos there. We've been posting a lot more content and, and we've been seeing some of the reaction you guys have been showing. And then also be sure to uh, follow us on your favorite podcasting app. And if you're listening on Apple podcast, leave a five-star rating and a review so that we can break the algorithm a little bit. If you're following, unfollow us and refollow us just so that we get in front of more people and continue to grow our bench warmers base. But, uh, you know, Nico, are, are we going to the, the Lakers? Cause it seems like everybody's getting signed to the Lakers or, or how about trades to the Dodgers? Cause both want to make me throw up on my mouth, but it seems like the Lakers are signing everybody and the Dodgers are trading for everybody. So damn, I guess we're going to LA. I'm just going to say, see none of the above. And I'm just going to keep my happy ass here. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? So for this week's center of attention, we have a jam-packed episode. So I wanted to take this time to talk about something that's a little bit weird, but it's my favorite time of the year because summer league basketball is coming up and we just had the NBA draft. And I want to, I want to put some names out there for y'all to remember, because this draft class is incredible. We are talking about draft class that from pick one all the way down to the non undrafted players could be one of the best ever. Yes. It is wild for me to say that, but this draft class is stacked and I'm saying like talent that you will find guys playing, whatever picks like Io DeSimino, who was a guy I wish the Nuggets would have taken fell to the second rounds with bowls in his hometown, which is really sick to have guys like Mac McClung, who is, who was one of my favorite players to watch like on hoop mixtape. Cause the dude's got absolute bunnies. If you Alex Caruso, who Max Mac McClung is the new Alex Caruso in LA. So Lakers fans get to know that name guys, guys like the Nuggets who the, who the Nuggets traps bones, freaking Highland. What a fucking name that shit is. I mean, the dude dude's an absolute bucket. It reminds me of a very young J.R. Smith. I know J.R. Smith of old is just a three point shooter only, but Denver Nugget J.R. Smith could could hoop like no other and, and could take people off the dribble. And I'm seeing that in Bones quite a bit. So I'm super, super excited for him. And man, the top of the list, of course, um, the big names that came out of this draft, you you really you really can't miss it. Like top five picks, there was really no surprises. Um, um, you saw a couple couple of hiccups here, but the guys like Scotty Barnes, um, Got oh my god, I am spacing on the names. Cade Cunningham is going to be an absolute bucket. I, I think Detroit finally got a hit right there. Guys like Evan Mobley, he's falling under the radar in Cleveland. That guy, I, I mean, I've watched him since high school. That dude is unreal. So, this draft class has a lot, a lot of great potential. And Summer League, man, I'll tell you one thing Summer League is one of the most fun events to watch because. 
It's a bunch of dogs fighting for, for position. Only two guys, three guys on each roster basically make the team. Everyone else is, is fighting for their lives, and it's a little bit more meaningful basketball. So I cannot wait uh, to watch all these dogs play. And, man, I, I already am a fan favorite, Bones Highland. I cannot wait to watch them ball. This episode of The Far End of the Bench is presented by the Unhinged Sports Network in partnership with Fanatics.com and SwiftLifestyles.com. Uh, Nico, I think you're about as much of a nerd for summer league basketball as I am for preseason football or like, you know, any kind of football. football. Yeah, no, I, I'm going to be watching the hall of fame game. I almost, I did put it as a pick them because we haven't had an NFL pick them for a while. So I, I felt a little nostalgic, but, uh, I almost would, I, I looked at the betting lines. I don't know why you would bet on the Hall of Fame game. Do not. I'm, I'm telling you right now. Do not bet on preseason football. No. Like, that is the hardest thing to bet on. I tried to do that last year. I'm telling you right now. That is that shit's fucking impossible. Because you have no idea what the hell's going to go on. It's a it's a no from me. That's all I'm going to say. Mason Rudolph is going to be the starting quarterback this weekend. And uh, I don't know. I think Dak might play for Dallas. But honestly, I don't know if he's going to play for Dallas because – with the injury that he suffered, I know you want to get him back on the field, but that was a freak thing that happened. If a freak ha- thing happens in preseason like this, when you're trying to already come back from something, uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're putting the cart ahead of the horse. What we're saying is summer league basketball is important. Yes. It, it, to, to, it's, I'm you, it's in Vegas. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you, you, Oh yeah. Like, the U S team had a whole lot of fun in Vegas while they were out there. Oh man, we'll get to that in a minute. But shit, yeah. The, look, summer league is, is a blast. Like I said, I, I, this Bones Highland guy, like I had no idea who the fuck he was. Like when we drafted him, I, I was like, who? But then then I figured out that his real name is a Bones, but they call him Bones. That's a fucking dope ass name. Like like, and and I saw comparisons of Jr. and Lou Williams, and I already love this kid. Like like this this is I I cannot wait to watch him play. Everybody loves Jr. When we had Birdman on, that was his guy. We we mentioned Jr.'s name because he finally got his ring the, back when we were very first starting this thing. He does. He um, does have two now. Yeah, technically, because because the I mean, he didn't play for the Lakers two years ago, but still, that's, a bubble. It's a bubble championship. Bubble championship. By the way, I mean, I know we'll talk about it now, but the Lakers really uh, they re-upped on the evil empire thing today with you know, Melo heading over there. It just makes me sick. It's, it just keeps adding on and on. Mellow Pur- and fucking Lakers colors. Purple and gold is already a terrible color saying. scheme. And then you got to throw Carmelo Anthony out there. Ma- nah. Makes me hate Makes me hate the Lakers even more. I don't hate Mellow, but like we f- – <laughs> We are seeing former Nuggets players that that battled against Kobe and the Lakers in Lakers colors is like a back like a backstab like that shit hurts like it does I'm I'm just being honest like I boot I, I know I got shit for bullying Melo when he was in Portland but his ass gonna get booed a lot more for Lakers that's all I'm saying yeah there's uh there's no rivalry with Portland compared to the rivalry that Denver has with Los Angeles for the Lakers. Um, but let's transition back. We'll talk about the Olympics before we get into all the NBA free agency. And we, you said it in your center of attention. We have a jam-packed episode, so let's kick things off. Uh, I, I wanted to talk about track and field first because I've been watching a lot of the finals are starting to happen in the last few days before we're recording this. So uh, let's let's start there. And uh, it, it's I wanted to start with the high jump. I know normally you would start with the sprinters because that's the marquee event, but the high jump was an interesting. Uh, happening 
we have two gold medal winners in the high jump. Now, this wasn't like they both just were able to clear the same distance and they said, okay, well, we're not going to continue. They did have a jump off, which I think they have three jumps at set, dis- at set heights, and they were tied after that. So they just decided that they were going to split the gold medal. Gianmarco Tamberi of Italy and Mutaz Essa Barsham of Qatar are the co-gold medal champions of the high jump. What did you think when you saw that? Were you like, did it make sense to you a little bit? Or do you maybe see that as like conceding almost? Well, I mean, like I, I the co-champion thing was, was a little weird, but like I understand in sports like that. Like, like there's it's it's almost physically impossible to move a bar up like 0.1 centimeters. And what are you gonna do? Make them jump 20 times until someone beats another? Like that would be that would be great TV, don't get me wrong. But I mean Sport like that, like I understand it. Um, I still, I, I think the way you could have got around it was you could have had them keep jumping that height, and the first one to miss loses. I think that would have been a little bit more fun. But like the high, the high jump, like it's a sport that it's known for like that. I mean, some sports like there's there's multiple like third place winners because because I mean like in the sport that, that that I work in, you said or taekwondo. Um, we have tournaments here and there's always two third place matches. Cause we don't necessarily have time to have a third place match. Obviously the Olympics is a little bit different, but I mean, like there, there's, there's places like that. You rarely ever see that with gold. So I, I, I don't hate it, but at the same time, the gold medal is a, like, it doesn't mean as much. You know what I mean? Like it, it means a lot because, but like, the silver medal doesn't mean as much. The bronze medalist is fucking happy as hell because he didn't think he was gonna fucking medal, and here he is because they tied. So like that's that's why it's just it's just a little wacky. Uh, no, they did. It's still only three on the podium. They just have two gold medal oh. champions. I I, I believe oh, that's how they silver? did it. I don't think that oh, they did two okay. gold to silver and a bronze. I think it's just the two gold medalists oh. and the bronze medalist. But that I makes more sense, but yeah. when I first saw it, like the competitive nature in me came out and I was like, I would never share an Olympic. I don't want to share a gold medal, but then especially like when you break it down to the sport that it was high jump, you're not always going to have a guy who's better. I guess you, like you said, you can go like best two out of three or something like that, but you know, sometimes that's the height that anybody can jump. And if you can't move it up, what's the point of continuing on? I think they were there for quite a while. That jump off wasn't, you can't just good jump rep after rep when they, the way that they do it, they're coming in with all that speed. You have to give your body a little bit of a break. So they're probably spent, uh, but that was just an interesting, that came out, I think the day of last week's podcast or like the day after. So that was a little bit older news, but now let's get into uh, the sprinters in the, uh, I think for what I've seen so far, the women's sprinters and hurdlers and runners have done, or at least have had more of an impact on at least the medal stage of these track and field events. They have, I think five of the seven track medals that the U S has won so far are all on the women's side. Uh, yeah, just- I mean, we, the U S doesn't really have the guys like Tyson Gay in the past and, 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 and that, that four by 100 or medley relay, from I think it was either four years ago, might have been eight years ago, that really, really great race against Jamaica with Usain Bolt, obviously. But there's a there's a lot of great female sprinters. I mean, like the, this this group, like there's it, it's it's kind of cool to see because like we talk about the effect sports has, like 
I would are I think I've seen like three or four like what like American female sprinters that either have relatives in the NFL or are married to someone in the NFL. And I think that's that that is that's so awesome. Like seeing seeing the the teams in training camp like stop for early in the morning, whatever, to watch the race, I think is awesome, cool, really cool. But the, we, the women have really taken over. Talk about Sydney McLaughlin. Oh my God, this girl, she shattered the world record. Yep. Like, like, like emphatically. Like, it was, it was unreal. Yeah. And she, uh, the woman who took second, I can't think of her name, but I, I just watched that race before we were recording here in the four by 100. It was the 400 meter hurdles final. But McLaughlin set the new world record. That happened last night in the men's final, too. Did you see that? The Karsten Warholm guy from the Netherlands broke his own world record. And Rye Benjamin. He was so surprised, too. He, he looked yeah. up. He was like, holy fuck. Like, what? I, was like, holy I, fuck. I can't yeah. believe, he was like, I can't believe I ran that fast. And shout out Rye Benjamin. He took home the silver medal in that event. He was the American. He broke what would have been the world record. Uh, it just so happened that he was running against the guy who broke the previous world record. And then he decided to break it again. That's insane. They were talking about that uh the last couple nights before when warholm set this most recent world record before the olympics the last time that the world record was set was 1992 so in the past 30 years of competition only two men have broken world records and karsten warholm has done it twice so that was you think about like the olympics is like the stage where every single record <laughs> held seems to be just fucking broken. And then that's a kudos to the track athletes, swimming athletes, to every single like speed, whatever it may be, like records just keep get, get, being broken every year. Like it, it's so hard. Like people were arguing like, well, do you think Usain Bolt would be, I mean, look, he's, he, Usain Bolt and his fucking prime was unreal, but like, you gotta think, man. Ten years from now, Usain Bolt is would be like middle of the pack. Mm. Like, I know it's wild to say because Usain Bolt's arguably like one of the greatest sprinters of all time, and and was the fastest man on earth for a good eight, twelve years. And it, it's going to be true because like people, there's new mechanics, there's there's new ways of, of that sprinters just figuring ways out, and it, it's great for the sport. Like like I said. Track and field is a sport that I watch once every four years, <laughs> but I enjoy the hell out of it. Like yeah. it's, it's so much fun. Yeah, they were. That's what the announcers were saying too last night is that the record that Warholm set, he would have qualified for the final in just the 400 meter race with no hurdles. And he did that jumping over 10 hurdles all the way around the track. So nice. it's kind of incredible what we're starting to see these athletes do. Um, like you said, uh, there's a couple other, um, track and field performances, but uh, this goes more to the field. We had our first gold medal by a women by a, a women's athlete in the discus thrower. Also, happens to be from Longmont, Colorado, graduate of Silver Creek High School, where I called some of the basketball games. So that was a weird little connection that ended up happening. But she set the world record and won the first gold medal in, in American women's field history. So that was a, a very cool moment. Um, is there anything else from the track and field that you kind of saw that, that you were impressed by, or is there, uh, is that kind I mean, of the, the, the big one? I mean, we have a new fastest man in the world and he's fucking Italian. Yeah. How about that? The Super Mario, Italian. baby. Super Mario. Guy, it's, oh, it's legit. He, he, the, he the had guy, the star. That's for sure. The, yeah. The guy is, uh, 
Like, I thought that was so sweet because, like, it was a, it was a, he was a pretty big underdog too, and he just came out of nowhere and like I think he was like a plus twelve hundred to win the race. And for Which people, is interesting because he was yeah. the indoor world champion. Yeah, so like it, it's only a I believe it's either fifty meters or hundred meter race, and Sick. it's just, yeah, and it's just a straight up sprint. And he's yeah. like, okay, who's like who is the fastest man in the world? And this Italian guy, like I said, great story. He, I think he sprint. He he, he he ran track at Texas or something. But man, that was a really cool story because, like I said, people want to say people like it, when you think about like like sports in general you always think okay who's the strongest man in the world who's who's the fastest man in the world who's the baddest man in the world like like those are like the top three things you think of and this italian guy came out and shocked the world marcel jacobs by the way yeah yeah marcel jacobs man it's like i said it was it was insane like there's records keep getting broke every year and this and this marcel jacobs guy from italia is putting on for italy because look italy is not Italy's a soccer soccer country. That's about it. They're, they're they're okay at basketball, and but they don't really have a whole lot of sports. They've started, and they're like they've started wrestling a little bit. Wrestling, like at least like they're starting with more things. But like they, this is the first ever like fastest man in the world they've ever gotten close to having. So I think that is just sweet. So so damn cool. We, we talked about the records being broken on track, but records have been broken on the field as well, or in the swimming pool. USA Swimming, you know, this was the year that they didn't have Phelps. Katie Ledecky, it was probably going to be her last Olympic Games. She came out and said that that's not the case <clears throat> last night after she won her last gold medal. Uh, but I want to start with the 800-meter freestyle because this is the inaugural 800-meter race in the Olympics. And – what happened there on that final lap? It was like the final 50 meters, 45 meters. Uh, Ryan Fink was in the race. He was fifth in the race. When they made the final turn, they were watching the top three. He was not even in the camera when they made that final turn. He turns into Aquaman or, or turned on the Jets speedboat, whatever you want to call it. Boom, flies down there, wins the first 800-meter gold medal freestyle in Olympic history. That was one of the more incredible moments that I can remember, especially from swimming. It's like that relay team with Phelps where he has the infamous gif of him like screaming like that. And then Ryan Finke turning in the fastest 30 meters ever recorded by a land mammal in the water. And he took, took the 800 meter gold. That was just incredible. Yeah. Think man. What a, what a freaking side of resilience. Like, <clears throat> look, we talk about swimming 800 meters, man. That's a fucking lot. Like that is that's eight down and back. He also it took is. the gold in the 1500. So he's yeah, like, he's built for distance. He's built for distance. Like like he's like we, like we say he's built different. Like he is 100% built different. Like it is the distance the distance swimming is so so interesting because when you're watching you're like okay you kind of know who who's the guy that's going to be like, or who what group or what person is going to be the guy that is kind of there. Like he's he has the longevity; he can go that long time. But a guy like Fink, who who just came out of nowhere and and fucking hauled his ass off that last whatever meters it was, and it's 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 crazy to think like USA Swimming is just unreal. Like mm. like it's 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 a factory of greatness. <laughs> like. It doesn't matter what, what, what fucking, uh, 
uh, uh, swim or whatever it's called. What, stroke. Swim? Stroke. There you go. I, I was about to say position. Stroke. Whatever stroke. Whatever stroke that is. Like the U.S. sends the best of the best every single year. The only country that argue, argues with that is Great Britain, and everybody else is second place. Australia like, a little bit now. Australia, Australia especially yeah, for Australia. women's. Australian women has, has stepped up a lot. So those are the top three, but man, the U S swimming, it's, it's, it's something to behold. And what thing did like that's history. You, you're always going to be remembered as the first guy who ever did that. How damn cool is that, man? Yeah. And he stole that. He was, he stole it away from the favorite. He ended up just beating uh, the Italian swimmer who was the favorite. And I'm going to get his name here. Gregorio Paltrinieri. Paltrinieri. Gregorio Paltrinieri took home the silver medal. Uh, but he was a favorite going into the race and he had the lead. He led basically all 750 meters. And then whatever happened in that last little push, you know, it ended up coming away with silver, but it was still a good showing for him. I think he had some other races that he did very well in. So he lost the inaugural gold, like everybody thought he was going to get, but uh, the women's got two silver, two more silver medals in the pool in the 200 meter butterfly race. Um, I think the men's and women's 200 meter butterfly race, they got two more silver medals, but then that brings us to Caleb Dressel, who I think I might just start calling the man coming, uh, coming from spin chicklets a little bit. He's the man missile. Uh, man, He's a man rocket. He, uh, oh, absolutely. That's fucking unbelievable. Yeah. Like <clears throat> this man, he is, like you said, this is, this is his, I think maybe it's like seven games, but this is his, this is his games. Like we talk about Kate Ledecky and Caleb Dressel. Those are the two. He's the face of he's swimming. He's the face right now. of U.S. swimming. Like he has the commercials with the minions that pop up every fucking now and then. But Dressel, like it's, it's, it's cool to see because, because he, he trained with Phelps for so long and he, he was like, he was trained to be the next guy hmm. and he has shown off completely. Like I remember watching his first gold and the emotion that he had after winning his first, he won five, he won four more on top of that. This guy, like the, 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 the swimming level, like what he did in the pool is, is, is very, very tough to do because when you talk about events, like, like, like the freestyle, like the butterfly, whatever it may be like to compete in five events alone is very tough. Like they they were having conversations because it's not like you 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 go every other day. It's you finish your race, you go on the you go on the medal stand. Okay, twenty minutes to get ready because you're going back out there. Yeah. Like like that that is just something to behold too. And Dressel, five golds, man. Like like obviously Phelps is the fucking all time. I think with the eight or something, whatever it was in one Olympics, which won't probably ever be matched. But but five is is insane, absolutely insane. Five is insane, and he was. They were expecting him to possibly get six. There was that one relay race where they were upset, but I think one of the good things about Caleb Dressel too, and it's good for USA Swimming as a whole. He's doing the same thing that Phelps did, where he's making other people better. I I don't know if Caleb Dressel's not on this team. I don't know if Ryan Fink is able to do what he did in those distance races. I don't know if he's able to come back and steal the first gold medal in the eight hundred meter. So he's a he's obviously one of the top sprinters in all of the world, right. Or sprint swimmers in all of the world. Cause the, they call the 50 meter and the hundred meter races a sprint. And that's exactly what he's built for, but he's also making the team around him better. And uh, he's, he strikes me as the kind of leader. Cause I, he, I would say he's the captain, the, I don't know if he's officially the captain, but he's at least the de facto captain of the team. He's making sure that he's leaving USA swimming in that next 
place where it, where it needs to be. So Phelps brought it up to here. Caleb Dressel is now like, okay, it's my turn to move it a little bit more forward. And like we said about uh, Usain Bolt, I think the medal count, I don't know if we'll ever get touched with Phelps, but his times are going to start falling here soon once these athletes get in even better shape than what they already were, which is insane. Yeah, very, very soon. Like, I mean, I'll go even a further step back. The guy announcing it who, who was fucking insane. Shout out Rowdy Gaines. Yeah. Rowdy Gaines was the face of U.S. swimming too. It was Gaines, Phelps, and now it's Dressel. Like, the, the, those are the three mainstays people talk about swim, U.S. swimming. And Rowdy Gaines, one of the best calls I've ever seen. I mean, we were going to have our second second – second portion of how it should have sounded coming up here in a minute but Roddy Gaines with, with is a freaking electric and 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 the way he, the way he announces it too because he because look he's biased he's a U.S. swimmer mm-hmm. and that makes it all so much more fun because like like I say like I said last week the the, the relays and, and track and swimming are some of the best events every single Olympics because it's it's the team aspect of it and, and the guys cheering them on right next to them, right at the top of the pool, just adds so much more electricity into it. And, and Rowdy Gaines, I mean, like I said, Phelps's records are going to be fucking shattered here. Real, real soon. And, and, and Caleb Dressel is just going to be, I mean, he's going to rack up the gold medals. I can't wait to watch him in 24. And then again in 28, because a lot of things, a lot of things with these athletes right now, they all want to be around for 28. Like, like that's, that's, a, that's a common theme because everyone, every single U S great performer wants to win gold on their home soil. Mm-hmm. So they all, I mean, Paris is obviously the next stop in 24, but they all got their eyes on two more Olympics because man, how much, how much fun would it be to win gold on your home turf? That's just, just different. I, yeah, I don't think that there would be much better than that. Um, let's, before we uh, pivot here, some of the other events that are one of the events that I'm obviously paying a lot of attention to the freestyle wrestling tournament did just kick off. So they're at the eighth finals right now. So it's round before the quarterfinals U S had one guy lose, but everybody else has looked pretty strong that I've been able to see so far women's wrestling shout out the U S women's wrestling team because they had Adeline gray, who is the most decorated female wrestler in American history. She took the silver medal at 76 kilograms. And then a huge shout out to Tamira Minash Stock, who became the first black woman to win an Olympic gold medal in wrestling, also for the U.S. I believe she was at 68 kilos or, or something like that. But her, did you see her uh, post-match interview? She is, I, I she's got to be like 20 something or, or maybe late teens, but she is having a whole bunch of fun and uh, she's just infectious with the way that she approaches stuff. And that's, you talk about moments in history. That's something that a lot of people are going to look back on and go, you know, broke the female barrier, broke the race barrier. And in a sport that's been around for as long as wrestling, you are now etched in that history that, that spans back, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah. The pure excitement, like I said, there's a, there's a reason why I, I say the Olympics is the greatest sporting event in the world. Like, like there's moments like this wrestler that I, I'm, I'm sorry, I cannot pronounce your name. I, it's tough. Maybe Tamira. something. Tamira, Tamira. Okay. So Tamira, like, it, like 
her pride, her joy, like of not only winning and then also hugging the American flag around her. That's what these, these games are all about. It, it reminds us all that when we're all, we're all part of the same team, we're all team mm-hmm. USA, no matter where, where we are in the States, like you can be from lonely old Texas here where I'm, where I'm li- visiting right now in San Antonio, or you could be all the way up in Montana, or you could be in New York, California, whatever it may be. We're all under the same three colors and, and we love, and it, it really brings a lot of pride and joy to the games and rooting on random people that we've never heard of, never, never probably will forget about years from now, but they'll be forever etched in, in the storybooks. And we will, re- we will always remember, okay, that girl, I may not remember her name, but damn, that was cool. Like she had so much fun. Like we'll, we'll remember stuff like that. And that's what makes the game so, so incredible. Yeah. And a couple more before we, I promise we'll talk about basketball after this, but a couple more shout outs before we get there. Uh, we had a gold medalist in golf, Xander Shoffley, and then Colin Morikawa ended up losing the bronze medal playoff, unfortunately. So we only got the one American on the podium. But uh, Xander Shoffley, I don't know what his odds were going into it. I know that you picked Morikawa. I picked Matsuyama. Uh, both, neither of them were able to finish up there. But, you know, Xander Shoffley shows up like every third or fourth tournament it feels like it's not consistent where he's a dominant force all the time but like every fourth tournament you don't want to catch Xander Shoffley at the right time and, and Xander's also a guy that always like finishes second like like he always like like always is not able to always close. the bridesmaid always the bridesmaid so so it was pretty cool to see him be able to do that like you said him bringing home gold too like he he I remember watching him at the waste manager open because I believe he won that it's not a major tournament but it was one of the smaller tournaments, obviously. I remember him watch, watching him win, but it's really cool. Like I said, we don't like he's he's no Tiger Woods. Like, like, like we're not gonna go that far. But US USA golf is really cool. Like when the Ryder Cup comes around, we always have a great battle. Um, and Team USA always does well over there too. But it's it's he had a great showing. Like I said, mm-hmm. that was one of the sports too that like you can watch middle of the day because <laughs> golf tee times are so early early and it's so nice because like i'm because at most events like you're watching at 12 o'clock 11 o'clock at night like that's just the way it goes but but with the golf like i can throw it on at four in the afternoon after i'm or five in the afternoon after i'm off work and and it's it's very easy to watch Mm -hmm. i mean that's one of the great things about it yeah then speaking of a sport that doesn't really work that way with the time zones because i was just watching uh the the game from last night as I was leaving for practice earlier today, but USA did win their first elimination game against Spain. We were all nervous. We were all sweating. I was all, oh my God, I was so it took, nervous. It took Popovich benching game time, but uh, it, they did end up pulling it out. Uh, from that game, you know, I guess explain, because you made the tweet when the matchups were announced. We have the tougher side of the bracket for sure. We have Spain. We have uh, – Australia's, Australia's still on our side. And then Australia who beat Argentina, who mm-hmm. Argentina, obviously shout out Faku, but they lost, but we have a lot tougher side because we lost to uh, um, France. Yeah. And we're still going to have to go up against a very good team who comes out of the other side. So w- what was your feeling going into the game? And then what did you see from their performance that maybe gives you a little bit more hope? Cause we've been very negative about USA basketball, rightfully. So you lost to Nigeria, you lost to France, uh, and you play like crap. Losing and- to Australia, you get a rematch now because you did you lose go. to Australia too. Like this, man, it, like I said, the Spain game, I was I was expecting to lose. 
I'm going to be honest here, because Spain has these dogs. They have four, nine former NBA players or NBA players on the team. Talking about guys like Wancho, Billy Hernan Gomez, two Hall of Famers or one, two Hall of Famers in Marcus and Palgasol. I mean, then and Super Ricky there. Rubio. Super Ricky Rubio, who is the Steve Nash of international basketball, or I'll even go as far as the John Stockton of international basketball. The dude is just a goddamn wizard whenever you wear Spain colors. Um, so, like, this Spain team gave me a lot of worry because I think they were one of the most well-rounded teams in this tournament. But what I saw from Team USA, first of all, the shooting was terrible. And, and what, what Popovich was realizing is, like, you can't go small lineup against some of these teams. You have to throw lineups out there with Draymond and Bam out there together because it's not like Tatum playing the four is going to go get you boards. When you go up against teams like France, who, they're, who they may see in the gold medal game or the bronze medal game, I haven't forbid that, but the gold medal game, and Rudy Gobert, and then now when you're going to go face Australia, who has a bunch of bigs too, big strong guys, and Aaron Baines, yes, that Aaron Baines, the guy who's Twitter famous, Aaron Baines, and – like it's it's going to take a lot more grit because I've seen a lot like 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 the game last on on Monday night that I I stood up I stayed up and watched it I was worried because of our inside pressure I knew KD was going to get his I I I knew that guys like Zach Levine who's been shooting lights out from three is is going to get his and and Dame has been very very quiet so I I, I am very very happy to see that because. In a normal situation, if Damian Lillard is benched in the fourth quarter, all hell is going to break loose. Like that's just the fact that matter is. And seeing him take a step back and and letting Book, who was playing excellent last night, Levine, who was playing excellent as well, have their moments. That's huge. And they're saving guys like Javale McGee, who unfortunately left the Nuggets today, who's a, who's now Phoenix Sun. Who guys like Javale McGee, who's in the in the in the shadows who hasn't played a minute against some of these small teams, they have him as a tool guy ready to jump in whenever. So this, this Australia game is going to be a big one because I think we beat Australia. Oh, I won't go as far as winning the gold medal, but I think we, there's a very, very good chance. Whoever comes out the other side, I think Australia U S wins the gold. I think winner of that game will take the gold medal and this USA team Katie obviously has been playing really, really well, but the X factor. I, I got, I got something to because you talked about the size, and when I was watching, they were announcing the starting lineups. They have KD listed as a forward. I know that's technically the position that he plays, but do you think that they would maybe benefit for having like move him out to more of a guard role and then put in a Javale and have some more presence with Javale and Bam? Would that be that- something that might benefit them? That's where the versatility of Draymond helps. I, I fucking hate Draymond when it comes to Golden State Warriors, but I'm very happy when he's on he's on Team USA because the dude will do all the dirty work. So I would expect when we play Australia coming up here on, I believe it's either Thursday or Friday, um, I expect a lineup where we see a smaller or a, a bigger lineup, quote-unquote, where you see Bam out there with the likes of Draymond um, and KB and then – two guards so that and maybe even tatum at the two guard like, like that's that's a very big possibility because all i would say all four guys outside of bam can handle the ball Draymond obviously isn't a point guard but the dude can handle the ball decently so i think we i think pop is very very well well thought out and and lineup wise i i am very very worried because like i said the other side there's a number 77 that is fucking killing everybody 
This is as deep as oh they've ever gone, gosh. too, right? This is as deep as no, Serbia. This, this is yeah. This this is the first time Slovenia has been in the Slovenia. Olympics. Yeah, for basketball, basketball for basketball, first time ever that they've been in Olympics. One win. Luka Doncic is fourteen and zero. Is it one more? As, as an Olympic. Is it one more win solidifies you at least a chance to medal? So well, I mean, they they have a chance. Yeah, one more win gets you a medal, no matter what. Yeah. But I mean, because because they're in the final four, and if if they lose to France, which they very well might, they they will get a chance at a third place game, which won't be a walk in the park. But it, God, that's what man. I'm. It gives you the chance yeah. because if you lose the the bronze medal game, you obviously walk away with nothing. But nothing, yeah. I feel like for Slovenia, this is all gravy. This is all just icing oh. on the cake. It is all icing on the cake. And watching watching the likes of not Goran Dragic, Zoran Dragic, Goran Dragic's brother, who hmm. played for the Heat a long time ago. People don't remember. He's been going off too. Guy is a fucking stud in Europe. And and god damn. It's you, all because of Chanchar. Let's just be Yeah, shout totally out Vaco too. Vaco has been this Vaco has been their best defender too. Yeah. So he's been the guy locking up the opposing team's best best offensive player. So shout out Vaco, but this Luke, man, this this kid Luca, is just fucking unreal. Like, like it it is. We are watching. I'm not gonna say the greatest your international player of all time because Giannis is now in the conversation, but he by the end of his career very well could be that. And if he wills Sylvania to at minimum a bronze medal, like he's already like a god. Like, like it, it adds even more onto that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. man. Slovenia has a really damn good shot to making the gold medal game. They're the favorites right now against France. We're talking about a France team with like three NBA, four NBA players. Slovenia has one and and a, and a role player. That's it. We the, the odds odds makers right now are backing the fuck out of Luca, and they're like, man, Luca is gonna Luca is gonna be unreal. Because like I said, like I said last week, this is his game. This is his style game. This is his. This is this is his turf. He's gonna be able it. to play in like four more Olympics too. He's twenty-two. Oh yeah, and and who and like I said, the Dirk factor, the Giannis factor, the Hakeem Olajuwon factor with Africa, like like these factors build product. There's little kids in Slovenia that are mimicking, mimicking Donches. There's kids in Serbia mimicking what Yoki's they throw doing. trash into the garbage can and go Luca or wherever, like wherever you are. That's that's what we're so closed in and just focus so much on the NBA as American basketball fans. We are missing totally the amount of stardom that these international players have when they go back to their home countries. I mean, except for Jokic, who just rides around with his horse all the time. There's not, I don't think that there's much fanfare in Serbia for anything, you know, yeah, yeah, I might, that might be a little it's, insensitive. It's, it's but Jokic and Djokovic and then, and then everybody else. They have it's the two mansions in the, the country. Everybody else just lives in the countryside and all that, that, that good stuff. Oh, and Jokic's brothers get to live with Jokic because I don't think that he'd be able to kick them out if he wanted to. Um, Let's transition from FIBA basketball to NBA because free agency opened up. And uh, Woj, would you say Woj maybe took an L this year? Shams was was dropping some heat. Man, Woj never takes L. The the dude just – dude has – so – Everything Sham says, he fucking fires it without without any back things up. He has fired some bullshit that, that is so untrue over the years that, like, I have to – unless Woj tweets it out, I'm not saying it's true. <laughs> I think most platforms, for that matter, is. And Woj has had, like, like you said, 
people want to say free agency, like free agency window, you're not supposed to start talking to teams till that six o'clock Eastern deadline. And the fucking Lonzo news broke five minutes after the deadline started. Oh, yeah. This shit, this I was going to say, this free agency just opened up. <laughs> wink, wink. Uh, they wink, haven't been wink. talking to each other at all. Wink, wink. Lonzo hasn't been wink, looking wink, at houses like, in Chicago. Wink, wink. All that kind of crap. Yeah. It, this is, it's it, it gets, every single it gets, sport. Yeah. But NBA takes it, it to another year Every single year. NBA, like, like, like everyone said, the best offseason is NBA offseason. Because the amount of just shit that happens that you're like, oh, my God, does that really happen? It's a free like, reality like, TV show. Yeah. Like, it, it, is, it is free reign. And, it, it, man, the Lonzo news was right away. The, the Caruso news was also right away. The, um, and then, obviously, the fucking West Brick in L.A., like, news – yeah. Like it, it, it was one after another this past week with the basketball news. And I would say I'll give the edge to Woj because like I said, I have Woj tweets uh, bookmarked this time of the year because I get notifications that that yeah. Woj has tweeted this time of the year because for a reason, because I'm looking at what has happened in free agency and that's how I get my news. So, um, but yeah, this free agency start like there's there's no off season like an NBA off season. No, and guys that you're very familiar with, the Heat, I think they pulled off one of the best moves. I mean, even before free agency started, they declined Iguodala's contract, making him a free agent. So they let an NBA champion walk. But what I think that there's two teams right now that are look that are looking at what they did in free agency and, and thinking that this is going to be the next level. It's the Miami Heat and it's the Chicago Bulls. But let's let's start with the Heat and what they were able to do. When they declined Iguodala's contract, did you see that as a good thing that they should have done? Should they maybe try to work something out, or or what was your thoughts surrounding that? Look, shout out Andy Ellsberg because he's the mastermind behind all of it. Pat Riley's the fucking genius, but Andy Ellsberg is 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 the numbers guy. And declining Iguodala's option and declining Ariza's option too, which is another person that threw into the fact because Ariza left to LA as well. Mm-hmm. He declined those options because he knew what Lowry would mean to the team. Lowry is a championship guy. The guy, the guy's an unbelievable player and things like that. Like Kyle Lowry is a damn good player still. And what you did opening that room, although you lose a great role player and, or, and Goran Dragic, who probably will get moved here soon. He's probably not staying in Toronto because th- there's really no role for him. And then you lose a young player in Precious Achua, but Kyle Lowry makes this team so much better. This heat team, they are going to physically be in pain after every single game. Talk about, excuse me, talk about a lineup, a starting lineup of Kyle Lowry, um, Duncan Robinson, PJ Tucker, who they brought in too, NBA champion PJ Tucker, yep. Jimmy Butler, and Bam. That is a lineup. When you look on paper, you're like, oh my God, this team's scary. Like, like th- this team is just, you, you, you already, feel it is already a pain to go down to Miami because you know the culture they built. But all every single one of those guys are built for the heat culture. That's what and I was like, gonna say too. Like, like Kyle like, Lowry, I don't even know anything about him, but when he's like Kyle Lowry goes to here, I was like that makes uh, I feel like so he he fits it fits there. He's gonna be in the gym two hours after practice is over. He's gonna do like him and Jimmy Butler are gonna be doing what Kobe used to do. Like, I'm going to go to the gym at 3. Well, I'm here at 2.30. What are you going to do now? So I'll be uh, at 2. And then yeah. it's gonna, and like, I'm already at the gym. And it's going to get to the floor. I'm already at the gym. Yeah. Kyle Lowry, that dump truck he's got. I mean, he's probably the greatest uh, 
Raptor of all time. Like, mm. let's put it that way. First of all, he's probably the greatest Raptor of all time. And it was, it was time for him to move on because Raptors need to start moving in the younger direction. But what the Raptors got back, I'm really excited for their young future because they got a good young core. But this Heat team, like, they, they, they do things every single offseason where you're like, fuck, man, what the hell? Like, like you're like, every single team, if you're not a Heat fan, like, you're like, you look at the Heat's offseason every single year, you're like, god damn, they did really good. It, like, it's never an offseason. Even when they lost LeBron, they're like, man, he could still be a playoff team. that's every single team LeBron has left outside of Miami was shit. Like they were terrible. My LeBron leaves Miami. The heat were a number three seats or a number four seat in the West or the East still like the heat just it's, it's, it's the guru and Pat Riley and Andy Ellsberg every single year, they figure out ways to bamboozle the whole league and have their, and have everyone head scratching. Like, Oh my God, how did we let them do this again? <laughs> and there's a reason why the heat are, are one of the all time winningest organizations since they entered the league. They never have bad years. They have years where they miss the playoffs, but like ever since D Wade and Pat Riley stepped into that locker room and that door in Miami, this organization has been top tier. I'll, I'll give that move what they did to get Kyle Lowry. I think that's the second biggest fleece of NBA free agency. I'm going to talk about my biggest fleece in a little bit, but let's stick to what we were talking about with the bulls and the heat having really good free agencies, Chicago, Picks up Lonzo five minutes after the free agency started. Um, now I've been, uh, you know, better than I would, but I've been seeing some of Lonzo's videos. I think he's working on parts of the parts of his game that he needs to get better on. I think that he maybe grew a little bit more in New Orleans than he would have in Los Angeles, um, and now he's getting added to Zach Levine. What do you think? What does this change for Chicago's future? They obviously they were fighting for like an eighth seed this this season in the East in a bad East. Did they really get that much better? I'm going to pump the brakes real quick because, look, the Bulls are not top four contenders in the East right now. I'm just going to put it out there. They got a hell lot better, hmm. but everybody needs to pump the brakes. This team is not top four teams in the East. The Heat, the Sixers, yes, the Sixers, the Bucks, and the Nets are all still better than them. They are. And I would I mean, the only argument you have is, is against the Heat. Because the Sixers, unless they trade Ben Simmons, which they probably will, which may, the only argument would be against the Sixers. And they were the number one seed in the East last year. So, so look, they're not a top four seed in the East at all. The, their young core has gotten a lot better. I will say that. But they are banking on Lonzo becoming the next, the next guy there. Zach Levine is an absolute stud. But, like, if Lonzo, they're betting a lot on Lonzo and Nikola Vucevic. I would. I, I think they contend for a, for a home home seed. And you're talking about the Knicks. Knicks also had a pretty decent offseason too. The Knicks, the Knicks are were a team that was ahead of them. The Hawks, the Hawks. I mean, the Hawks are right there. Uh, the East has gotten better. 100. It's not yeah. the West. It's I mean, not the West. It's, it's, not yeah, the West. it's still but, a weaker conference. But that's another thing that I was going to mention is like the Bulls did get better, but everybody in front of them got better too. And that's that's the difficult thing there. But I do think that there was another part, like you bring in Lonzo because he can help production on the court. But I think, you know, we've seen this with baseball in the Colorado Rockies, where if you're the organization's not showing guys like their stars that they're moving forward and trying to get better, guys want championships. They're going to leave. This is a big move. Lonzo Ball's a big name. It's a big money move. So I think it 
it does send the right messages to Zach Levine. Like we are working to make this better. We, we even said it about Giannis back in Milwaukee. We're like, if they don't win in the bubble, I guarantee you he turns down a contract because what have they done to show you that they're going to win an NBA championship? We were both dead wrong. But I think that this Alonzo move for the, as much, you know, for the benefit that it's bringing to the court, the benefit might be convincing Zach Levine to stick around because his contract is coming up. Like he's going to be eligible here soon. And on top of that, the deal that happened on Tuesday, Tuesday as well, DeRozan. DeRozan mm-hmm. was a very, very underrated pickup too. DeRozan's still a good bucket. And you now have a starting lineup in, in Chicago of Lonzo, Zach Levine, DeRozan, Patrick Williams, who was one of the better players in the draft last year. I mean, I, I hated the pick when it happened, but the dude has dude was a top five talent out of the draft last year. And then Vucevic, obviously, at the five. That's a playoff team, 100%. That is a solidified playoff team. They, it's going to be interesting how they do because I don't see a lot of three-point shooting. No. I don't. I don't see it all. DeRozan is the has the deadliest mid-range game of all time, and Levine has a decent three-point shooter. But Lonzo has still struggled from the field, and Vucevic is no no big man from outside. Is no three-point threat either. So that's where I'm seeing a little bit of struggle. Maybe they make another move, bringing a guy like JJ Redick, who is a free, who hasn't been picked up yet. Um, but I still think they need need a little bit of shooting here and there. But the Bulls could be. A very dangerous team. I'm not going to say next year. I'm going to say maybe in two years once the core is good. Once once the core is is built, like built ready for that. If that makes sense. They are kind of starting to take form. They remind me a lot of Phoenix, especially coming into this last offseason where DeMar DeRozan is your Chris Paul type. He's a leader. He's going to be able to control the offense. You have your young, hungry superstar on the rise. It was Devin Booker for Phoenix. It's Zach Levine for Chicago. Like there's some similarities, but uh, I think what we saw from the Western Conference last year is the exact opposite of what we're talking about for the Eastern Conference this year. The top teams of the Western Conference basically stayed the same, didn't get a whole lot better, and Phoenix was able to take advantage of that. Chicago has now you you got yourself better, but you also are still looking up at three rungs of the ladder. So it's similar, but I. I would agree with you. It's probably not next season, but the season afterward, Chicago could be something that we're talking about. Chicago could be in the situation of either, I think this coming season, they might be a situation like Atlanta where they surprise some people if they do end up making the playoffs. But two years from now, I'd say a top could, three seed could, in yeah, the could, East. Could be a t- yeah, it could be a team that's a low NC uh, that could upset one of the big teams in the first mm-hmm. round. Like, like I said, the Bulls will not be a team that the Nets or the Heat or the or the um, or the excuse me, the Sixers want to see in the first round at all. No, they were they have a lot of grit to them. Um, let's. Uh, you want to talk about? You want to talk about the Lakers? You want to talk about uh, what I what I think was the greatest fleece of free agency so far? Let's let's talk about the greatest fleece, Chris Paul. Chris Paul, because he declined, he de- he he finagled his way into a four-year and what's estimated to be $120 million extension. The Suns didn't have to do that. No, they didn't. You're not no, going to get four more years out of this guy. What are you doing? Get, you're not going to get four more prime years out of him at all. No. Chris Paul, first of all, if it wasn't for Westbrook, this ties into the L.A. stuff, because it does. If, if the Lakers didn't get Westbrook, Chris Paul was – in LA. Let's put that out there. He wanted to go to LA. Sorry, Suns fans, but that's the truth. Like the Lakers just don't have a cap room now. 
You're because t- look, any any Suns fan that thinks that Chris Paul wasn't going to go to the Lakers if they didn't make for the Westbrook deal is lying to themselves. There's a reason why Melo's there right now. Uh, there's a reason why it happened. Like and, and Chris, oh man, Chris Paul brings a lot to the locker room. Don't get me wrong, but there's a reason why he hasn't won the big one. I'm sorry, I've I've seen it for years. Uh, be, like like that team in Phoenix is going to be on Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton's back. And Chris Paul will be the role player. And I'm I, like I said, the Suns, Suns are a fun team to watch. All I'm saying is Nugs and Four next year. But uh, the 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 Suns are are oh man, the, this contract's going to eat them alive in four years. This is a contract that gets that gets moved in two or three years. It's one of the biggest mafiosi. I just finished watching The Sopranos all all the way through. This is one of the biggest. Like he basically turned around and and extorted his own team. So if you're a Suns fan, I don't know why you'd be excited that he's going to be there. I think that you're going to see a, a pretty big fall off from what he was this season to next season. And then after this season, I don't think that he'd be good enough to keep around, honestly. That's that's why I don't get the four-year extension. But that's my big, best fleece of NBA free agency so far. Uh, let's talk about the Nuggets because that, that'll tie into what the Lakers – because we got to talk about the Lakers. They obviously – brought in Carmelo, they brought in Russell Westbrook. So now uh, they did lose Alex Caruso, so that might hurt them, you know, because Alex Caruso is definitely a, a big part of the last Kuzma too. It, well, they might, everybody's excited about that. I'm, I'm even excited about that. But you'll have LeBron, you'll have Carmelo, you'll have AD, and you will have uh, – I'm totally blanking on the last guy – Russell Westbrook as four Russell of your starting yeah. five. Well, I don't know. Do you think Melo is going to start in Los Angeles? No, he won't start. Oh, it's it'll okay, be, it, but you, it'll be it'll be Westbrook. It'll be uh, maybe he starts. It's gonna be Westbrook, LeBron, AD. I would say probably even Dwight because they yeah, resigned Dwight. They did resign I Dwight. would maybe even Taylor Horton Tucker, maybe the guy or Kent Bazemore, who they also picked up, could be a starter. I think Melo comes off the bench. I this this Lakers team, like I said. This Lakers team is built now. <laughs> they are their their core is all over the age of 32 years old. That there are very, very little contenders across the league. You can say that. That's the only team that's average starting five is going to be over 30 years old and that big of a contender. So the Lakers right now, you got one championship, you better hope you win a second because you don't want a second. This team is going to fall into I'll, I'll, I'll relate this back to something. This is what team's going to fall into the Brooklyn Nets saga, the old Brooklyn Nets, the original, when they traded for KG and Paul Pierce, and they bet on the starting lineup of Darren Williams, Joe Johnson, Paul Pierce, KG, and Brooke Lopez. That lineup, on paper, was unreal. When it got to games, they fell like a fell like a rock. So that's, that's where – because and look, Brooklyn, they didn't have a draft pick for five years. Like until they finally got, the only reason why they're decent now is because they had free agent signings and they had room. They had a decent coaching staff and that's all they went from there. But like the Lakers are right now organization, they're banking on winning another championship. I hope they don't. I sure hope, hell hope they don't. I think, look, LeBron, I saw a lot of reports saying that LeBron, the reason why Westbrook came in is because LeBron doesn't want the athleticism. His nose, he knows his athleticism is falling apart, and he wants Westbrook to bring that up-tempo back, which he very well might. So that's where it's just going to be a little weird. Their three-point shooting, though, is shit still. 
So I, and that's what their problem was last year. So that's, that's the one problem I see. You lose arguably your best defender in Alex Caruso. Wow. That's really weird to say out loud, but Alex Caruso was one of your better defenders. And I just don't know what I see from this Lakers team because I see three top-heavy guys and a bunch of role players trying to buy in, which LeBron has been known to fleece some teams. But this looks very eerily similar. I would not say that similar because Russell Westbrook is much better than Isaiah Thomas. But to the to the South or to the Cavaliers team that traded Kyrie the year after they traded Kyrie to Boston, where mm-hmm. it was LeBron, Isaiah Thomas, um, Kevin Love, and that's about it. And they had a bunch of like older guys that came in. D Wade was put on the team, like a bunch of guys ring chasing basically. So that's what this team is right now. I don't know if I'm never going to doubt LeBron because every single year I doubt LeBron, it's just going to bite me in the ass. So, so that's, that's where this Lakers team, this Lakers team will be a top four seed in the West. I don't, there's still a team in LA, don't get me wrong, but it's, it's going to be a little bit harder for them, I believe, because the West has gotten so much better. Uh, I think my biggest concern for the Lakers is did they add on – they did make sure all the doors in the facility are extra wide for the amount of ego that they have in on their roster. I mean, like Dwight Howard is going to be a backup – or you said he might start. Like Dwight and Melo are going to be the two guys that are like borderline starters, but they're going to be the biggest prima donnas of all time. Like you're going to have to get Dwight out of his snake pit to go practice. And Carmelo, we all know how mentally weak Carmelo is. It's proven – it, there's a reason it took him 15 how, – how, how many years was it before he beat Denver in Denver? Like 10 at least? 10 years. Yeah, yeah. 10 years. Yeah. There's a reason why it took it's, that long. They're banking on LeBron. They're banking on LeBron, the, the GOAT, the, the top two greatest player of all time. They're banking on that. So that's that's because, look, when you play with LeBron, shit changes. It does. Like, like, it doesn't matter if he's in year 18 or 19, whatever it is now, or if he's I'm in year 36. one or two. Like, like, the guy brings an essence to the locker room uh, where he doesn't take BS. Yeah. Like, the guy traded Dwayne Wade, his best friend in Cleveland. He was like, D-Wade, you don't have it anymore. I'm sending you back to Miami. <laughs> he did that. Yeah. Melo, could have, it could very well happen to Melo. The Lakers fall apart. They, That'd be hilarious because all they of could. the – Twitter threw up with all the pictures of these two have been friends for so long in 17 seasons. They're finally on the same team. I think LeBron's going to hate his life playing with Carmelo Anthony. I'm just going to put that out there if, now. If, if Melo doesn't take a, ba- a step back to LeBron, then it's, it's not going to work. That's just plain simple. All right. Uh, well, that's a good segue before we get into uh, talking about one of our new partners, uh, not taking a step back, not backing down. Did you see the picture I tweeted today of Kendrick going at it with Cam Hayward? Or, yeah, or, or by the way, if you follow us on Twitter, you saw it at FEOTB Pod. We are releasing our interview with Kendrick Green, third round pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and what looks to be the starting center for the Steelers this upcoming season. Uh, but he got into it, Cam Hayward, a little bit this morning. He's got a little bit of fight to him. It'll be, I'm excited for everybody to hear that. Um, interview because I think it's he's got a lot of great stories and it really shows how he was able to get to where he he is in his career right now oh the guy's a dog he's a dog like, he, he was fun to talk to he's a dog y'all are gonna love the heck out of that that, he's, that interview he's a big personality I'll, I'll put it that way he's a big guy and a big personality um and then other news in the NFL uh, Carson Wentz Quentin Nelson uh I don't know. I tweeted it out this morning, too. I don't know what voodoo magic Jim is using to make sure that all of the Jaguars competition something miraculously break their foot 
but Quentin Nelson and Carson Wentz both have, both have to go undergo the same foot surgery. Um, Wentz is right now slated to miss five anywhere between five to 12 weeks, and they haven't given a timeline for Quentin Nelson. But that changes things in the AFC South a little bit because you have the Texans who are obviously going to be the, the blue ribbon losers in that division. In league, yeah. Does Jacksonville maybe move up to second because Indianapolis lost their quarterback and best lineman? I mean, you can call old reliable Phillip Rivers. That's that's the only the way I see it. It's Easton season, baby. The, the the Colts are not a playoff team with Jacob Easton. I could be totally wrong, and Easton could be an absolute stud. But I mean, <laughs> the amount of memes also is, is kind of hilarious. People are like, "Man, go trade for Nick Foles," mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Carson Wentz can't escape Nick Foles. <laughs> it just keeps adding to the pain. Trade for Nick, Nick Foles, Foles and bring in Doug Peterson as a quarterback coach. <laughs> and then Nick Foles plays well. The Colts make the playoffs, and, and then here we go again. But it, the Colts are are. They're, they're falling apart little by little. Quentin Nelson, I think, is the best offensive lineman in the game of football right now, and that's going to be a huge, huge, huge loss. That Yeah, hopefully, I mean, if I'm a Colts fan, if I'm DJ right now, one of our uh, other panelists on Cover 6, the Unhinged Net Sports Network NFL show, I would be a little bit nervous. Without Quentin Nelson, I don't know exactly what you can do because Mac and uh, Jonathan Taylor aren't the same running backs when Quentin Nelson's not running not blocking for him. It's going to be a little bit different. I know that your offensive line is one of the best in football top to bottom. That dude is another level. That's coming from a guy who played offensive line for a long time. You played offensive line for part of your time playing football. It's very evident to see when Quentin Nelson's on the field, it's different for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, Real quickly, the Hall of Fame game is coming up this Thursday. It's our first chance to see. You guys will get to see Kendrick make his NFL debut and then make his podcasting debut on our show uh, 2 p.m. Eastern time, premiering on the Unhinged Sports Network, unhingedsn.airtime.pro. Real quickly, uh, prediction for the Hall of Fame game, Dallas Cowboys versus the Pittsburgh Steelers, two of the oldest, most storied NFL franchises. Who do you got winning? Uh, my prediction is Peyton Manning says the word Broncos before the word Colts. Oh, well, it's Hall of Fame speech. That could be. I, <laughs> There's I my prediction. I could get less than two shits about the Hall of Fame game. I'm sorry. I don't care. It should have been. The, first of all, the Broncos should have been in the game. You have two yeah. Hall of Famers in there right now that are in this year. You don't and, I'll, You don't want to be in the Hall of Fame game, though. I know you don't, but, like – like there's the it, it, yeah I guess you're right but still like I I guess I'll pick the Steelers because of Kendrick but that's about it like that's, that's honestly that's, that's that's the only reason at all that I will tune into the game let's yeah. be honest that is that is the only reason I I have at all tuning into that game I could care less about preseason football when it regards the Steelers the Colts I care about preseason football for the Broncos like because I want to see the quarterback battle and all that but I could care less about the Steelers and Cowboys in a preseason football game on the shittiest turf in the world that's true um it's gonna pain me but now since Kendrick's been a guest on the show I feel like I have to at least, you know, sometimes root for the Steelers when they're not playing the Bengals, not really root for them. I just hope he has a good season and picks up a career, but I picked the Steelers for Kendrick being on the show as well. Uh, we'll uh, I'll play along. I'll pick the Steelers yeah. too. Good. Even though I'm not betting on it. <laughs> no, don't bet on, don't bet on preseason football. We, we've said that plenty of times so far. Uh, let's, let's go to a quick break here and uh, we'll come back. We'll have how it could have, how it should have sounded. And factor cap coming up. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to the unhinged or far end of the bench on the unhinged sports network. 
OSINT, only one can lead. Hold on, wait a minute. That's not what we agreed on. This isn't a death match. What are you talking about? This isn't a death match. This, not? this is just our podcast. What, what's our podcast called? Our podcast is the Dago Express. I told you this. All of this in an email. Oh, yeah. I don't check it. Why don't you check? Why did you give me your email if you're not going to check your email? Well, it's just nice to give somebody something to write down. I thought you just wanted something to write down. No, that's not at all what I wanted you to do. Okay, well, tell me more about this podcast. This podcast is just a bunch of random nonsense. Me and you having a conversation with a microphone. That's all it is. Okay, and when can I listen to this podcast? Tuesdays at 11 a.m. And is it just going to be one place? No, it'll be on all your streaming platforms. <laughs> so it's two brothers, both enter, one microphone. See what happens. Yeah, I like that a lot better. Okay. Yeah, that's nice. We'll go with that. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the far end of the bench. Episode 52, technically... You know, if you're going by weeks, this is our year anniversary. I'll have more on that when we get closer to uh, the end of the show. And I know we promised you a, a best of putting in two hours worth of audio to a little MacBook laptop doesn't necessarily work all the time. So it was too ended up being too big to try and make. Uh, but we'll we'll figure that out some point later on down the line when we have a little bit better of a setup. Uh, speaking of getting a little bit better of a setup, we do have a new partnership. We talked about it. We mentioned it. SwiftLifestyles.com. It's a nutrition and nootropics brand. They have gummies. They have powder drinks. They have um, some swag. You can pick up some Swift Swift Lifestyles swag. We'll uh, be posting the logo there. It's actually pretty, you know, for for a brand that has a pretty sweet logo. It's a pretty sweet logo that they have there. Um, But we, along with the Unhinged Sports Network, are now partnered with Swift Lifestyles. So if you go to SwiftLifestyles.com, and at checkout, use promo code BENCHWARMER with a capital B. BENCHWARMER with a capital B, you'll get 15% off your purchase from SwiftLifestyles.com. And uh, they right now they're focused mainly towards like esports and gaming. A lot of their stuff is focus oriented. Um, but, you know, I'm probably going to check it out a little bit. I could always use a little bit more focus when I'm lifting or, or at work or editing for the podcast. So really excited about this Swift Lifestyles partnership uh, that we and the Unhinged Sports Network just got. Well, absolutely. Like I said, new new sponsor. Haven't had a new one in a minute, so it's cool. I'm definitely going to use that. Remember, bench warmer capital B. Like I said, we call y'all the bench warmer, so we got to use it for y'all. So, um, be sure to use that code when you, when you get to the checkout. Yeah, fifteen percent off, like we said, of your purchase. And uh, now it's a good thing because we we get to shift our focus, talking about um, nootropics and focus, to uh, our new segment that debuted last week. You guys liked us going back and taking a look at Super Bowl 32 for the Denver Broncos. Uh, this time we have a basketball, how it could have sounded. I, I picked this one again. I picked it because we were we were both in the same school when it happened. I It's one of the first March Madness endings I can remember. I know you have a lot more memories about it. Uh, but the Villanova 2016 championship, the buzzer beater. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. Who Chris hit, Jenkins. Chris Jenkins hits the buzzer beater to uh, win the national championship back in 2016. But this was, you know, looking at, at the game itself, Villanova versus North Carolina, a one seed versus a two seed. Villanova is a basketball school, but they're not necessarily a powerhouse to where they're in the championship every year. Roy, Roy Williams in the Carolina blue speaks for itself. Michael Jordan was in the damn crowd for the game. That speaks to the level that their program is at. But uh, I, I'm a, I'm excited that we're doing this one, uh, but let's talk about what, what 
Can you think back to 2016 and what you kind of thought of going into this matchup? I mean, we didn't have a podcast or anything, but we'll go back to senior year of high school for us. What did you think of when the Villanova Wildcats and the North Carolina Tar Heels met? Well, first of all, obviously Villanova is nowhere near North Carolina's prestigiousness, but Villanova is a perennial tournament team. They are behind Jay Wright, who is one of the best coaches in college basketball. They are an excellent program. They have produced a lot of great players, but I'm going to go down and say that this is the greatest shot in college basketball history. I think there is zero doubt about that. I think, I think, think about the hype of it. You can think about everything that going up into it. Like, Jay Wright is, is such a damn good coach. Like, the, the play call, too. No one, when you think about inbounds plays, and, and especially college basketball because they don't advance the ball to half court. The way he was able to figure out, because no one thinks about the guy who passes the ball. No one does. Like, you think, okay, the guy's going to dribble up. It's going to be a handoff. The guy's going to come off the screen, whatever. The, the, the thought process of, of getting the ball back, getting your best shooter, putting him, passing him, having him passing the ball, and North Carolina picking up the full court and him being wide open, getting the best shot possible, I mean, that that couldn't have fit better. And talk about arguably the second greatest play in NBA in, – in, sorry, not NBA. I was going to say, history. the shot Marcus right Page, before that last one was Marcus incredible Page too. Hit this, Marcus Page hit his three-point shot. That is unreal. <laughs> the guy, first of all, double-pumped. He's left-handed, double-pumped, and chucks it up there and drains it. And got like, fouled. Like, Ingolf, like, like it's, it's, it's such a – like, that's probably the greatest sequence in college basketball history. And what, what Chris Jenkins does, like, Villanova is a school, like I said, has, has had the Kyle Lowry's, has had the players like Dante DiVincenzo, just to name a few. But Villanova basketball now with that program and what they're doing, that play has set up thousands and thousands of people to enter into that school. Because Villanova, like you said – Things change for programs and schools in general, not even just athletics, schools when a team wins a national championship. Baylor, talking about Baylor this year, enrollment up. Alabama, there's a reason why everyone wants to go to fucking Alabama. It's because they win a football championship everywhere. And Villanova is a school that people look twice at because, damn, they're a basketball school. I want to go to a basketball basketball game. Mm-hmm. And that, like, like I said, it was a, it was a, it's a, it's a great shot overall. And a team that, that, that game, that final four game, so unreal. Yeah. So the, I think it's one of the most exciting 90 second stretches. It, we're picking it up. Uh, North Carolina down six, 70 to 64 with 135 left in the second half. North Carolina just inbounded on the Villanova side of the court. And that's where we're going to pick this thing up. And uh, we'll give you how our broadcast would have sounded during this moment of the 2016 NCAA national championship. All right, here we go. North Carolina inbounds and a corner three. Wow. 70 to 64 just got cut down halfway 70 to 67 page deep in the corner, a big shot there from North Carolina. And now Roy Williams calls a timeout to devise a strategy as we get a second look at that shot, but corner catch and release 10 seconds on the shot clock. I mean, North Carolina had to really make something happen there. And that was a huge shot there from Ainge. 
Yeah, yeah, Marcus Page. I mean, look, these guys getting scouted very, very heavily for the next level, and he's a talent coming off the left hand side. Like he's a damn good shooter, but his North Carolina team is just fighting, man. Villanova, who, who everyone was like, oh, here going to free throws, but but damn, North Carolina has that grit and grind, and they're inching their way back in this game. Three point lead for the two seated Villanova Wildcats now. One twenty seven left as they inbound, bring the ball up the floor. Roy Williams with after that timeout. Got to think he's called a trap defense. And now we get the first trap there, passing mid-court. Villanova backs up, trying to pass down low, and it's going to go out of bounds across the baseline. So that strategy for Moy Coach Williams worked there. North Carolina picks up possession now on the other end of the floor, pass down into the Ill paint. Yeah, ill-advised turnover from Villanova there. Yeah, and then North Carolina able to make something happen on the other end, gets a short-range jumper, and now the lead's cut down to one, 70 to 69. Uh, you got to start thinking – Maybe the moment's just getting a little bit too big for Villanova here as they're holding on to this lead. 39 and a half seconds left. Uh, they're going to have to calm down and maybe make something happen on their own offensive end of the floor here, don't you think? Yeah, you got you to try to slow the place down. Like I said, you get one – North Carolina doesn't have to foul here, so you gotta have a good, a good solid defense for North Carolina. But Villanova, get the shot that you want. Be patient enough, and and make sure you try to get to the bucket. No need for a three here. All right, 39 and a half seconds and counting. 10 seconds on the shot clock. Drives to the right side, inside the paint. We're gonna get a foul called on the North Carolina Tar Heels. So Villanova will go to the line, and they're able to convert both their free throws. Huge sequence there. It's just a three-point game once again with under 30 seconds to play. But uh, that was that was an ill-advised foul there for North Carolina, and, and yeah, it's gonna... I mean, yeah, yeah, you have the you have the chance there to to slow it down to possibly force a bad shot foul there, not not the one you want to do. I would I would almost say go for a two here, try to get a quick bucket, but um, who knows? You've had some lights out shooters on the outside, so you might try for the big one. Tar Heels now back on offense, thirty seconds and counting in the paint floater. Falls out of the rim. Villanova fighting for the rebound. North Carolina comes away with it. They're able to get the put back there. So once again, it's down to a one-point game, 72-71 with 22 and a half seconds left. And now we're going to get a foul on the other end of the floor. So Villanova back at the free throw line, shooting two, and they're able to make the first one. So now we're looking at a 73-71 score with 13 and a half seconds left. You have – Go ahead. This this situation you have to you have to foul, so obviously it makes sense. But North Carolina here hoping very much so that they can miss one. Yeah, and then you got to make a play off the inbound passes. Right now it's it's still a two point game as Nova gets set at the line for their second free throw, and he does go two for two. So now it's three points once again, seventy four seventy one. North Carolina inbounding, and they're going to sprint up the floor, crosses over midcourt. Now taking a step back. Ball goes to Page. Page able to fight for the loose ball and then a double clutch shot, and he hits the three pointer to tie it up. Double clutch, man! He hit it perfect on the dot. Marcus Page, that is one of the toughest shots you can hit. Villanova with the timeout now, man. What a, what a freaking play by North Carolina there! Right when you think all all is all is lost, North Carolina says, "Not so fast." Here we come. Overtime looks like Villanova is going to need a massive, massive shot here. But who knows? There's a lot of time still left on the clock. Four point seven seconds left on the clock. Page Still has two lot, of the lot. biggest three-point shots in NCAA basketball history right now. Oh my! Oh my gosh! Page was shot, but that four point seven seconds left. There's a lot of time. Still, obviously, the ball doesn't advance in college basketball, but you got 
if you're North Carolina here, you almost have to pick up full court. Um, look for down picks. Look for guys coming off the screen. Um, try to get up. Guys like DiVincenzo, who's off the screen, who's had a pretty cold night to start. He, he's a guy that you got to look for um, coming out, coming off, possibly getting this game winner. Like I said, 4.7 seconds left. Try to get the length of the court. It's very, very doable. Tar Heel fans going crazy inside the arena as Villanova goes to that timeout. We're getting the second look at that three-point shot. And Paige, you know, it wasn't as clean as the look he got in the corner, but fighting off a guy diving at the loose ball and then double-clutching your shot and finishing that thing, didn't even have to use the backboard. I mean, basically at this point, it looks like overtime is inevitable. North Carolina has done everything that they needed to in the last 90 seconds to tie the game up and force – extra time in this national championship game here in the 2016 final coach Roy Williams looking to add that another leather mark to his legacy and MJ in the crowd here, loving it as well in his Tar Heel blue, but here we go. Villanova now inbounding the ball, working it two seconds on the shot clock. Jenkins puts up a three and it goes. It goes at the shot buzzer. Chris Jenkins. Oh, my gosh, Chris Jenkins. What an absolute bucket. What a play, play call from Jay Wright there. Like I said, no one's looking at the inbounder. Jay Wright, man, didn't even think about it. you. put your best shooter in Chris Jenkins, who's had a pretty cold night to start tonight, and he comes up right behind, will dump off from the point guard, and Chris Jenkins hits the best shot of the year, seals the deal. There goes the confetti. What a shot. What a moment for the school and every everyone in Villanova. Pure passion is all you can describe the scene that we're seeing here on the floor as they're going through the replay. Jenkins gets the ball with about 1.1 seconds left, releases it at .5, and it hits nothing but the bottom of the net as the buzzer goes off. Villanova is now the 2016 NCAA national champions in men's college basketball. It's a, it's a watershed moment in, print, in program history. It's a watershed moment in NCAA basketball history as a whole. What a game. I mean, we said it, six points, six-point deficit, a 30-second minute and a half left to play. North Carolina did everything they needed to, but Villanova, it was just their night. And what an incredible win for them. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, bounce back after this one. You can't really top that, I would say. You, you kind of got to go for second place now in, in best moments in school history. Well, 100% Villanova, this is a school changer. This is a program changer. Jay Wright has been known for not being able to come up big, not being able to take the big one. And finally, he comes up with the play call of a century and says, let, let my boys do it. I'm gonna, You know what? North Carolina is this history, has has everything behind it. But here we go. I'm I'm trusting my guys to, to knock down the biggest shot in the biggest game, and it happens. It happens. Sometimes things just work your way, but – that uh, that's how it could have sounded for this week. That was one of my, I wanted to do that one for a while. I mean, I wanted, that was the year that Mr. Weiss was playing March Madness games in the middle of class instead of actually studying. So I was paying attention to that tournament more than I had up until that point. And uh, that was, 2016 was a huge year for, our senior year was a huge year for championships because the Broncos won a Super Bowl. We had that crazy March Madness finish. Um, and the, the Super Bowl ended up being wild that year, too. That was the 28-3 to collapse for the Falcons. I forgot about oh, that was, even. Yeah, 2016 was a wild year, that's for sure. That national championship game was so much fun. As a guy who didn't have anyone in the race either, too, like I was hoping for a good game, and that game was everything you could have ever wanted and so, so much more. Like Chris Jenkins, like he hasn't had an NBA career since then. It's been five years. The only guy on that team that really – is doing anything right now is DiVincenzo who just won the NBA title with Milwaukee. So, and he was injured. So like it, this, this team 
and, and that team will always be etched in history. And Chris Jenkins, like, like I said, he stepped up, and it was a it was a win 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 situation. You miss it, okay. We got overtime. North Carolina has a little bit of a little bit of uh, momentum though, and Chris Jenkins just comes back with the shot of his career, and and he'll never ever forget that. Neither Jay Wright. I think that's too solid how it could have sounded segments back to back. We're, we're coming in with fire. Like we said, if you guys really enjoy these, let us know by liking the video on YouTube, commenting. Um, and if we get enough interaction with these, we might continue to do them through the season. Cause right now it's just an off season thing. Um, but now let's get into the rest of the episode with our normal segments here. And we'll start with bench warmer of the week. And I'm just going to get, go ahead and get this off my chest. I tweeted about it last week. There's a reason why baseball does not exist in my head, and it's for this very reason. Garrett Cole on Sunday gave up seven earned runs to the Tampa Bay Rays. He himself gave up a touchdown. Now, the team lost by two touchdowns. They ended up giving up another seven runs in the game. But Garrett Cole, just because you can't use stick them, doesn't mean you should be giving up four runs in the first inning and giving up seven in an outing. You are a former Cy Young winning pitcher. You are, you were considered one of the best pitchers in the game. And now you're making me have to worry about like not paying attention to baseball, because if I have to show up and the Rockies trade another superstar or don't trade another superstar, keep their franchise in purgatory and the Yankees come out here and get beat by two touchdowns, I already have to suffer enough during football season. I'm not going to just suffer willingly. You, you just get pushed out of my mind. Baseball season doesn't exist anymore. I'll talk about the World Series when it happens, but this is terrible. The only thing you got going for you as a Yankees fan is you trade for two strong Italians. <laughs> you got Gallo and Rizzo. You got Gallo and Rizzo as 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 the as the Italian mafia comes in. But Garrett I couldn't Cole, even was- couldn't even celebrate that. That was just pitiful. Giving up fourteen, and you didn't score. You got shut out and gave up fourteen. Ugh. Rockies don't even do that, and we're terrible. Oh my gosh, we're Ugh. terrible. And uh, my bench. Man, yeah, but that, that's, that's as low as you can get. But my bench warmer of the week, I have an honorable mention because I was very surprised you didn't have this on there. But the Seattle Kraken, first year in the league, and you don't know how to do contracts. <laughs> I mean, like they fucking – the Grubauer deal got fucking rejected because they didn't know how to set up a contract correctly. Obviously, I think they're still working out how to do the deal, so it's not like Grubauer can leave. But the fact that you don't – it's your first year in the league and you don't have someone to tell the front office that you can't do a deal like this, like you have to set it up this way. No, that's, no, no, that's, that's, that's not allowed. That's terrible. I was like, no, 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 you can't do it like that. So that, that was what I don't mention. But, but, but my real bench over the week is Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder, the, the Lakers point guard, who at one point was rumored to be getting $30 million a year. The Lakers said, fuck you, I'm getting Westbrook, and then I'm signing everybody. No one in their right – look, at, at the All-Star break, Dennis Schroeder was, was in the $30 million to $40 million tra- like market for a free agency contract this offseason. The dude is unsigned, and no one wants him. Like, like literally no one wants him because he's asking for way too much. And the dude, because of the playoffs in the last th- month of the season, paid played himself out of a fat contract. Like the, the Lakers wouldn't have made the trade for Westbrook if they believed in Dennis Schroeder. And Dennis Schroeder 
like I said, played himself out of such a huge contract. And the dude is, is, oh man, that is, that's tough to see. And like I said, no one is signing him. The Lakers don't have any money to sign him. Where is he going to go? Like, like legit, like the dude is, dude couldn't have had a worse off season. You hate to see it, but then you, then again, you don't really hate to see it because anytime that the Lakers suffer or a guy on the Lakers suffers, it's a good day. Um, who, who you got for most dominant of the week? Most dominant team of the week. I am going to go USA swimming. That's, that's plain and simple USA swimming because USA swimming as in general, I'm, I'm hoping by next week, I'll be able to say USA basketball, <laughs> but for right now, I'm going to go USA swimming because like I said, this, this, Every single, every single event, every single category had a U.S. swimmer at some point, either in the top flight or, or was, was in contention, mm-hmm. whether they then be winning or, or being in the top three or top five, even it seemed as, it seemed as though every single U.S. Olympian swimmer was somewhere in the final, like it, whether they won or not, they, they made a difference and, like I said, the, swimming is the, obviously the United States sport. I mean, that's our sport. No one can fucking beat us. In not basketball. That we hold. Oh, not, yeah, I mean, <laughs> maybe. Hopefully, maybe yeah, may, maybe, maybe. But but yeah, U.S. swimming, one hundred percent, my most dominant team of the week. Yeah, mine goes along with that. I was just a little bit more specific. I picked Ryan Fink as my most dominant team, quote unquote, of the week with uh, gold medal in the fifteen hundred, gold medal in the eight hundred. If you have to outswim this guy distance-wise, you're going to have a bad time because he can go for days. Uh, and he has he has at least 30 meters of being lightning fast because I go back to that 800-meter final. I know I beat it, over, beat it over your guys' head listening, but go back and watch the highlight of that. When they go to the last turn, you don't see him. And then all of a sudden, here he comes screaming up the backside, pause on that uh it's been a while since we had one of those screaming up the backside ends up getting the gold medal uh ryan fink got my most dominant team of this week um yeah usa swimming we might have to become swimming fans we might have to incorporate swimming somehow on this podcast depending on what happens in the other sports we will happily do that every four years but i'm sorry there's way too much other sports going on that's true uh what's brewing presented by our friends at the high alpine brewing company follow them on twitter at High Alpine Brew, also on Instagram. Actually, my parents are going to be up in Gunnison this weekend, so I'm going to recommend them go check out High Alpine Brewing Company and get a nice cold beer. Um, but I think, you know, do you have one that's a little bit more serious? Because mine's silly as hell. Uh, I'm just going to put that out there. If you it, got a serious mine, one, mine, I'm going to have you go first. It, it's not as serious, but it's a little silly. Like, first of all, Everyone saw what happened at the trade deadline. First of all, I, 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 there's rumors that it may come to fruition, but this probably will never happen, and that's salary crap in baseball because this shit's getting too out of hand. Mm-hmm. I, I saw rumors saying people like the league is outraged that the, the, the Dodgers fleeced the whole league and continue to get richer. You have a pitching rotation of Kershaw, Mueller, and Max Scherzer. You can't get that in fantasy baseball. I couldn't do that in, in MLB the show. Like, like this, this and and obviously the only other team that 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 kind of did that too was the Yankees, but they suck. No offense, Jimmy, because getting Gallo and Rizzo was pretty unfair. But they're they're, they're they don't know how to pitch in general in the back end of the rotation. So. That doesn't really matter for the Yankees. 
Whatever, either way, front and back, all around pitching does not work. Pause. They just hope they hit bombs. Pause. Yeah, but like I said, I like for a team like the Rockies who don't have an owner that doesn't want to spend money. This like so, baseball, you could like like I get like the massive deals. It is very hard to put a salary cap on because of the fucking Mike Trout deals and 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 the freaking Bryce Harper Bobby deals Bonilla. and shit like that. Bobby Bonilla deal, but like. At some point, you gotta have a discussion about that, because there's a reason why no one like baseball is is a game that you go to during the summer because it's a baseball game. It's outside. That's the only reason why people is paying attention to it right now. Like, like there's obviously diehard baseball fans everywhere, and people love watching no matter what's happening. But like <laughs> for someone like myself, the only reason why I watched any baseball was this year <clears throat> was because of the All Star game. That's the only reason why that. And organizations like the Rockies, organization like freaking Oakland, who has to who has to grit and grind to get prospects to be any good every single year, don't have the the courtesy of getting of getting free agents or getting high paying players and keeping players around. Like it's a farm system to the Yankees and and to the to Dodgers and to teams like that. You, you, that's basically what the baseball is right now without a salary cap. So if you want to have a Dodgers in the World Series every single year, then keep it the way it is because I don't see anyone getting close to what the Dodgers are doing right now. And like I said, being a farm system team, because that's what basically the Rockies is. I, I hate saying that, but it is true. And seeing players leave because we won't shove up money. And then when we do shove up money, we that player asks to leave because we don't shove money to anyone else. Like, I, I hope – you got to remember that the year, take, before, yeah, a lot. the year before the Nolan trade, the Rockies invested $100 million in a bullpen that was absolutely atrocious. Uh, so it's it's weird because it's like it's kind of like the snake eating its own tail thing. You They have the luxury tax, which is supposed to be like the quote-unquote salary cap. And uh, not having a salary cap, you would maybe argue, would add to the parity of the league. Imagine if they had a salary cap, imagine how many World Series Oakland would have probably won because they would have been able to compete for some of these great players. And, you know, it wouldn't have just been the Bash brothers and that's it. And players would go to Oakland because they have great management. Like, like Oakland would be an organization that would be like, I related to basketball all the time, but like the Spurs, mm-hmm. like I'm here in San Antonio, the Spurs are a fucking everything in the city and they're not, San Antonio is not a big market. They, 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 they said, we're going to keep our guys around because Tim Duncan's not going to chase 500 fucking million in New York. Like that, that, this doesn't happen. People stay around because you get paid what you deserve in cities that, and you want to build things, things like Giannis winning an NBA championship in a city he was drafted to don't happen to baseball. It doesn't. Who was a world series MVP last year? Mookie Betts wasn't drafted by them. Like the year, the year before that, Altuve and Correa, that that makes sense, but that we don't talk about that World Series. Trash shows. Um, and trash shows, but like things like that, like it's it's why baseball. I'm not gonna say dying, but it's why baseball is not growing. Yeah. Um. My like I said, my what's brewing is a little bit, uh, well, not a little bit, way out there in silly land. But with all the talk about the Olympics and the actual athletic events taking place, we had one journalist step up and do the hard hitting investigative journalism that we all wanted. And we wanted to know about this damn toilet situation in Japan. Cause there's rumors that it's incredible. Everybody who goes over there has said that it's a life changing experience. And this guy 
you know, he, he seconds that. And as somebody I've traveled internationally, but I traveled internationally to a country where like a plastic porta seat that you put over the hole that counts as the toilet quote unquote is a luxury. Apparently in Japan, when you enter the bathroom, the toilet senses you and the lid lifts. Now, if you don't speak Japanese or don't read Japanese, you're going to have a little bit difficult time figuring out the settings. But once you figure out the settings, you can, uh, I've been, I've seen quotes as it's the cleanest I've ever felt. Uh, it was the most relaxing dump I've ever taken. It's my second favorite place to do number two, all that kind of stuff. And the person who outed this most on social media and the reason why this got as much trash traction as it did is a British rower of all people. She posted a TikTok. It's like, look at how cool my toilet is. I walk in and it opens. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I had an episode of Center of Attention where I think I talked about Japanese toilets for about 20 minutes. So this is a little bit throwback to the, it's an Easter egg for you original listeners of this podcast feed. But uh, yeah, all of the great sports that were going on, all the world records being smashed. We really just want to know about the toilets. Just tell me about the toilets, guy. Yeah, no kidding. Like the 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 Japan is one of the most like up like I, I don't know a word for it, but like the most modern day yeah. country. Like the, they there's a reason why video games and and I, I know it's weird to say anim, anime or anime or whatever are so revolutionary there because they think of new electronic new ways to figure things out and the toilet thing. I hope it comes to the United States. I mean, I love. I'm not gonna go as far as saying I love sitting on the toilet, but I love a good, you know, a nice. I spend a good portion on. of my day there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think that this, if nothing else, I f- I think I found my next Father's Day present for my dad because basically call that his office. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, let's uh, let's move now to Off the Hinges. That was what's brewing presented by our friends at the High Alpine Brewing Company. Off the Hinges presented by the Unhinged Sports Network. Follow them on Twitter at Network Unhinged. Uh, like we said, unhingedsn.airtime.pro is where you can find our interview with Kendrick Green coming up this Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern. It's also where you can listen to the new episodes of this podcast every Wednesday from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, but my off the hinges this week, it's really we had so much other sports news to talk about. We didn't get to talk about the MLB trade deadline, but uh, there was quite a few shakeups. And I think, you know, if I got to single out one franchise, one fan base that took it the most, it would be the Chicago Cubs. You lost, I mean, you already lost Kyle Schwarber because he was on the Nationals. Now he's over in Boston because he, he was part of the, the moves that were made. Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez. All gone. All gone. You know, just all, in a day. All, 24 hours. Yeah, 24 hours. All been gone. All which, f- which honestly, which is very beneficial to the state of Colorado. You want to know why? Because the Cubs are in town in Colorado as we speak. And, and I had a friend of the game and he made a joke. He's like, I haven't seen one single Cubs jersey with a current player. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, like, like, look, Cubs fans travel everywhere, but like, who the fuck's jersey do you buy? Like, it, it's kind of funny. Like, it, it is kind of funny. And as someone who like, like I said, I lived in Illinois. Like, I'm a Chris Bryant fan because obviously my last name. But, like, it is kind of funny seeing, you know, Cubs fans always come in waves. But the fact that you can't – you couldn't find – like, there isn't a, there isn't a fan out there that probably – there's a very, very small population of Cubs fans that have a jersey of a current player. Well, because I mean, they're think all about, traded. Think about the All-Star break, uh, the All-Star game. We didn't see a single Cubs jersey that wasn't Baez, Rizzo, or uh, – Or Bryant. Or 
or Bryant. Yeah, those three. And it's weird you think, you know, maybe Chicago wants to keep one of those guys who've won a World Series around and and make sure that the culture stays good. No, we're just going to get rid of all three of them and then add insult to injury. All three of them in their debuts with their new teams, Baez with the Mets, uh, Bryant with the Giants. They're calling him Bryant Giant right now or Giant Bryant. Want to, want to, whichever way you want to do it. Um, and then Rizzo with the Yankees, all home run in their debut games. Yes. Couldn't find a single dollar to spare to keep one of those three guys around, right? All I'm saying is at least I got shit back in return. That's true. Like, right? You could be like me, the Saul Rockies fan. That, yeah. that, that, if, that if you're going to suck, at least prove to me that you're going to just suck. At, yeah, at, at least at least tell me that we're going to suck. But, you know, in three, four years, we have hope. Cause, trust cause the process. Just trust the process, Nico. Trust the process. People are in position that are smarter than us. Because remember, Breidich was uh, as smart as a brain surgeon. A doctor. Yeah, yeah, he's Dr. Doctor. Jeff Breidich. All right, that's uh, what. What do you got for off the hinges? I off the hinges. I, look, it's the off season. When I don't like the Olympics is only on at night and early in the morning, so I gotta fill my day up with something. Can we stop overhyping training camp? Like, 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 like how players do. Not, not the in general of it. But how players do. I don't give a fuck what Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater do seven on seven. I don't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter to me. Joseph Fields could do whatever he want against that ass Bears defense because they're not as good anymore. Outside of Cleo Mack, they're not as good anymore. I could care less what Joseph Fields does does in, in practice. Wait till he faces his actual defense. I don't care what Trevor Lawrence does with Tim Tebow on the football field in training camp because that's overhyped. Like, but they scored a touchdown. I I, I get everybody's inching for football. This is we are officially past. We have now football every single week until like I think it's March something, like until after the, or until after the Super Bowl. We have football every week. So everybody, please don't. I don't care about how a quarterback does in seven on seven. I don't care how a guy looks high fiving and drinking water bottle in practice. I don't. Train, look, Hard Knocks is so much fun to watch. Don't get me wrong. It's I watch except for it this year. year. Yeah, except for this year. But like, I, I will watch. Like, it's it's entertaining. But yeah. like, that's a, that's the only entertainment value in in training camp at all. Like, unless a guy gets injured, which haven't forbid that ever happening. But like, that's the only news I care about. I don't I don't want to hear about Justin Fields more for the fact that we didn't draft him. I don't want to hear. About about Drew Locke going seven for seven and seven on sevens and Teddy Bridgewater throwing an interception and seven on sevens. I don't care. When you put the pads on, when you put everyone on the field against a different team, things change. So please, everyone, just calm down with overhyping how players do in training camp. Please. Yeah. No, this is this is coming from the coach P side of me, the, the coaching side of me. <coughs> in training camp, the three drills that you should watch for, 11 on 11, obviously, uh, nine on seven, which is inside run because you get to see how actually good you are up front on both sides of the ball. And then one-on-ones with offensive and defensive linemen, everything else, seven on seven doesn't matter. Seven on seven yeah. doesn't because you're not ever going to have that clean of a pocket to throw from, especially like my team in the AFC North is never going to have that clean of a pocket to throw from. And AFC West in practice, they got to worry more about the defense than they have to worry about it in, in the actual games coming up for the season. 
and, and they don't touch the quarterback unless you're the New York Giants and they, they fucking pile on Daniel Jones in practice. <laughs> so, Joe, Judge is so, a, Joe Judge is a personality. That's all oh I can God, say. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, that's Off the Hinges presented by the Unhinged Sports Network. Now, before we get into Factor Cap, we want to do remind you of our oldest partnership between us and the Unhinged Sports Network, and that's fanatics.com. Fanatics is the home for all of the best sports equipment, memorabilia, whatever you want to call it. Uh, get new jerseys. Now, as you're, like we said, the Cubs fans that only have Rizzo, Baez, or Chris Bryant jerseys, use a Fanatics link in our bio at FEOTB pod and go get one of the new guys, one of, one of your next generation's jerseys because you guys look absolutely ridiculous wearing a Rizzo Cubs jersey anymore. The blue pinstripes and Rizzo don't, don't go no more. Yeah, you got you got. I mean, it's navy pinstripes now. So maybe you, maybe you're a Yankees fan and want to get a 44 jersey, you can do that. But like I said, with the Olympics on, there's Team USA stuff on Fanatics. There is. So if you want to go grab one of those, be more than what use use our link because like I said it's it, it's like it's cool wearing team usa gear when you see someone on a plane like i did i obviously have my all i i have to wear my usa tkd stuff on planes when i travel whatever like it, people recognize it because like it, it's cool to see like so go go use a fanatics link go buy team usa gear um uh, go buy a damian lillard team usa basketball jersey because not this don't buy a snake jersey um but yeah, go go use that link because there's so many good things on there. Like I said, you still get All Star Game stuff on there. That's still on there. Like it, 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 it's 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 discounted too. Yeah, like they, said, we, they we have. have we, Fanatics we have does a good job about yeah. always having some sort of deal, and it just you just have to use the link in our bio, and and a portion of that will go back to the Unhinged Sports Network. But now, Factor Cap presented by the by Fanatics.com. Um, this one, it's different because we've been looking deeper into the past for our first few. Jordan's re- retirement, quote-unquote, in the 92 season was the first one. Uh, we talked about Muhammad Ali fighting Sonny Liston back in 1963. Well, this one is only about a week old, and uh, it's a sport that uh, you, you said you watched the show. I listened to part of my take, so they talk about the Formula One show on Netflix, but it's a Formula One factor cap. This weekend, Sebastian Vette. Uh, he took second in the Hungarian Grand Prix, which was the F1 race that was going on this weekend. Uh, It turns out that he was disqualified because in Formula One, you have to have at least point, you have to have at least a liter of gas to be able to be siphoned out of the tank so that they can take it it and test it for additives and, and whatnot and make sure that the race in whatever position you finished in was legitimate. Uh, he failed this. Apparently, they the report is they were only able to take 0.3 liters of gasoline from his car. So by rule, by the way that the rule is written, he would be disqualified. Where this gets interesting, though, and where the conspiracy part kind of comes in is uh, hung, Hungary, politically, I uh, don't, don't really like talking about politics, but the, it's pertinent to the story. They just passed a legislation that outlaws any kind of uh, LGBTQ content in schools. So no flags, no murals, teachers can't talk about it. Uh, Very, you know, for, it's a very out of time law is, is the way that I'll put it, just with the way that progress has been happening all throughout the world. So that, that happened. And then going into the Hungarian Grand Prix, Vete decided to make a statement. Now, he's not Hungarian. He's German. Uh, kind of, they, they were on the same side of most of, of history. So 
take that for what it's worth. He decided to make a statement and going into the race, he had a pride shirt and a pride mask on. And the conspiracy is since he did that and basically thumbed his nose in the face of the Hungarian government, they did not want him placing and winning as many points for his team. He races for Aston Martin, by the way, for those diehard Formula One fans is the Aston Martin driver. It's an interesting conspiracy to think about. And, you know, these European countries, these sports that aren't necessarily American sports, there's just as much, I would say that there's almost more corruption in international competitions than there are in any of the leagues that we have here in America. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the conspiracy that I'm bringing forth for Factor Cap. Vitter was purposely disqualified for, quote unquote, not having enough fuel because of the LGBTQ statement that he made going into the race. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like I said, with, with F1 racing and sports like that, where I'm not sure what the NASCAR rules are, but I would guess that's probably around the same. I'm not entirely sure. Like I said, I'm not, we'd have to yeah, ask Matt. Yeah. Yeah. You can go listen in the marbles over there and, and they'll, they'll probably have a better answer for you. But like with F1 racing, like people are starting to get into F1 racing more and more, obviously because Lewis Hamilton mm-hmm. and then, and then obviously everything with the Netflix show too, which I, I've been watching a little bit now and then. Um, so like it's, it's an interesting one and I understand the rules behind it, but like, but like at the same time, I think if you are a little bit under, but you're still able to get a test, like, I think that's, that's enough warranty to be like, okay, it's passable. Like if they're slightly under the max, but you're still able to get a test out of it. I think you let it slide. And obviously with everything that happened, I think I, I'm, I'm going to go, Oh man, I almost want to go cab just because I, I, I hope the sincerity of sport, <laughs> like I hope the sincerity of the sport is able to do that. And, and the, that they didn't say that because it was actually like that. And I want to say that it was a pit crew problem or whatever. So I'm going to go cap, but like, it's, there's a very, very strong case the other way. Yeah. I mean, just the knowing like conservative European countries and the way that they work, they would take a, a lot of offense. Like they would almost take it as a personal offense. Now I want to preface preface. All I'm saying is that I have very little knowledge. Like the knowledge that I have of Hungarian politics is like the research that I did for this factor cap. So like a, an article on CNN going over the, the law that they put in place, but it, I would say that they were probably taking it as a personal insult when he showed up with all the pride stuff on and maybe they wanted to make, an example. So I'm going to go with fact for this. Uh, I do know like, it would be interesting to see their reports. Like I said, that they were only able to pull 0.3 liters of gas out of the car. I would almost wonder maybe, you know, how legitimate are those reports? I need somebody else to back it up because right now it's a lot of, he said, she said, Vader's like, no, they were, they weren't doing right by me. And they were making sure that I couldn't, you know, pass to the, to the letter of the law and F1's come out and said, obviously the the race isn't going to come out and say yeah we we fucked him over on purpose they're going to come out and say no he we gave him plenty of opportunities so uh it's something this was one that i'm going to be keeping my eye on because we should have an answer as to whether or not it's factor cap here coming up pretty soon oh 100 yeah like i said with most of these factor caps that's this is very recent so like we'll get an answer (laughs) we'll be more than likely we'll get an answer 
Yeah, so be sure to vote in this in this week's poll. You guys said last week was total fact. The NBA did rig the the 1985 draft for Patrick Ewing via Nick. So be sure to vote in this week's poll and uh, let your friends know that we do this. If you're if you got a friend that's a big conspiracy guy, get them involved in some sports conspiracies because there's some juicy ones. We're doing some research for this segment. There's some ones that we can get into that are uh, very thick uh, to say the least. Pause on that. Um, but yeah, that's this week's Factor Cat presented by Fanatics.com. Now we get into beats of the week, and we only we only brought in two because there's not that many sports going on right now, and nobody really. I mean, betting on baseball would be a way to make baseball watchable, but I don't I don't want to just waste my time with all the baseball lines. So beats of the week, and uh, what do you got for your first line that you like this week? So both my so both my beats of the week are going to be revolved around Team USA's game against Australia. Because that that's 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 going to be the marquee game for me this week. Uh, so first one I'm going to put out there because this game is going to be a lot closer than the spread. Australia plus eleven and a half. They won't win. I'm telling you right now, Team USA all the way. They won't win, but it's going to be closer than it's going to be a single digit win. Team USA is going to have to scratch a claw for a win. And at minus one hundred five, it's a very very good odds. So plus eleven and a half for for Australia. That spread is just way too damn good to take. Do I think Australia will win? No, but I do guarantee. I'm not going to guarantee it, but I think there's a very, very high chance that it's a single-digit win for Team USA. This, yeah, this Olympic tournament doesn't seem like there's going to be a lot of 30-point blowouts. This one looks like it's going to be a true. This one will be a true gold medal. Like this team, will at least know that they earned it. They didn't just get it on merit alone. Uh, my first beat: we have heavyweights coming back to the UFC. Uh, they're headlining the card kind of trying to figure out who's going to get the next heavyweight shot after John Jones fights Francis Ngannou for that title. But uh, I'm going to call this one the Black Beast Parlay. Derek Lewis is the underdog against Cyril Ghosn, rightfully so. Cyril Ghosn has proven that he's a dangerous matchup for a lot of guys at the top of the heavyweight division. The parlay comes out to be plus 730, plus 300 that Derek Lewis wins in the third, wins by knockout, and plus 430 that it's in the third round. I think Cyril Gunn is going to try and wrestle him for a couple the first two rounds. He maybe gets him down a couple times, but Derek Lewis has been shown to like wear wrestlers out, trying to take him down, taking down a 265 pound man multiple times is difficult. It's draining. Third round comes around. Black beast still has power in both hands. Derek Lewis might throw one of those Houston bombs that are attached to his arms there and knock out Cyril Gunn. So black beast parlay plus seven thirty. This weekend for the UFC is my first line that I got. First of, yeah, first of all, this fight should not be happening. It should not be. It, it, it should happen, but it should not be for the belt. So let's put that out there right now. I don't think that I think it's unfair what they did to Ngannou. But like I said, it's, it's always fun to see the heavyweights go at it. So yeah, uh, what what do you got for your next one? My my last one I have for here. So like I said, both Team USA ones. I'm gonna have Tatum with 15 plus points and a Team USA win at plus 180. Like I said, I think the role players are going to have to step up. Tatum is a guy that's going to be like the – he's kind of – he's the third option, I'll say. He's the third option. And behind Dame and KD, if he has a big game, if he hits down some shots, Team USA is a guaranteed win. If Tatum doesn't show up at all, it's a loss. I wouldn't say a loss, but it's going to be a lot more difficult. If Tatum has a game, then it is going to be very, very tough for Team USA to lose. So that's why I like this line of plus 180 so much because – 50-plus points, and Tatum has a 20-point night. KD has a 20-point night, and Damian Lillard has 15 and, and 8 assists. Like, that's 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 a Team USA win 100%. Like, that, that's going to be very, very tough to beat. So, Tatum with 15 and, and, uh, a, US, and a USA win at plus 180. 
if they all score that many points, that's going to break your first line that you threw out there because they're going to win by more than just 11 and a half points if those three that's have 20. True, that's true. Um, no, I think he's a – right now, Jason Tatum, I would say, is a role player plus. Like you said, he's a third option, but he brings a lot more to the table than a lot of other third options. Um, so I, I think that plus 180 for, for his – that stat line on Jason Tatum, I would like – I would take I would, that. Yeah, I would argue – the only it's either gonna be him or Devin Booker. Those are the two. If, if one of those two guys goes off, it's a team USA will hundred percent win. Next, we got uh, from my last beat of the week. I'm going to the handball court because, like I said, I've watched a couple handball games so far. Denmark, uh, I just watched them beat Norway in I think their semifinal, maybe the quarterfinal. But uh, France, Team France's handball is plus one seventy five to win gold medal. Now Denmark's the number one team in the world. And unfortunately they didn't get upset by Norway today. So they're still in the tournament, but that is good because that means France's odds are going to go even higher. So they're going to end up being like plus 220 plus 230 now that they're going to have to go through Denmark to win the gold. But you know, handball is an interesting game. I tweeted it out today. Like Olympic handball looks like you're just at the rec center watching old guys trying to relive their glory days, but it is somewhat enter- entertaining, and they score a lot of goals. It's the sport that you look at it, you're like, God damn, the, the freaking Romans played this shit with rocks. <laughs> you're like, this, this this game like looks like it, it's 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 5,000 years old. It really that's, does. That's why. Did you know that it's a penalty if you throw it and hit the goalie square in the face? Did not know that. That's probably why, because they played with rocks, rocks, and they're like, yeah. we can't bounce the rock off the guy's face. Yeah, so the, I, I said the Olympics bring so many fun sports out. Handball is like a sport that there's probably a professional league somewhere I've never heard of, mm-hmm. but like it's, it's cool to watch during the Olympics. Professional, right? Yeah, professional, professional. Yeah, professional. Every every professional handball player has an off season job. I'm just gonna put it that way. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, but that, that's that's the that'll do it for this week's beats of the week. And now we gotta wrap up with play and player of the week. Uh, what do you got for your play of the week? My play of the week. So it just happened Tuesday night. Obviously, I get my backs basketball fixed however I can. And everyone knows the basketball tournament, which is which is yes, it's called the basketball tournament TBT. And and we had a game winner for a million dollars. So get in the in the in the final, the team was Boheim's Army, which is basically all a bunch of former Syracuse like like players who played under Jim Boheim. Where buddy buddy buckets his dad for people that are unaware. Jimmy Jr.'s but, dad too. Yeah, yeah. So so the Boheim, the guy, the guy's name is Kiefer Sykes. He hits his game winner, and the fourth quarter, I guess, or overtime is like is like the all-star game. So you play to a certain point. So first of all, you had to get the 16 of nine points. So A, nice. And B, they're down by one point. It was 67 to 66. The guy hits the game winner, and and then about 30 minutes after he hits the game winner, he gets signed by the Indiana Pacers summer league team. So the dude is having the night of his life. The basketball tournament, which is held in Vegas, the dude hits the game winner for a million dollars and then gets signed to the Pacers summer league team. How yeah. freaking sweet is that? So well, what was his name again? Kiefer Sykes. Yeah, with a name like that, I would either say you're a Duke lacrosse player or you played basketball at Syracuse. That, that just drips with white privilege. It's oh it's insane. 
Oh, it was it was a, it was an insane game winner. So I, it was, like I said, I I I love watching basketball highlights, however it can come. And the basketball tournament, I didn't watch a whole lot of it, but what the, I I know there's always a Syracuse team in there with a bunch of uh, old Syracuse guys. There's always Ohio State team in there that has Aaron Kraft, the doctor, Ooh. in there every that he plays every single year the past like five years because he he's, he doesn't play basketball competitively anymore. He's a doctor, like I said, and it, it, it's it, there's a West Virginia alumni team. There's there's so many fun teams and and the Boheim's Army won on a game where to 69 points, so pretty nice. Uh, yeah, I my play of the week, it's Karsten Warholm of the Netherlands. I mentioned him in the 400-meter hurdles. He ran 45.94. That is a 400 – that is a full lap with hurdles in front of him. Like I said, he qualified for the final of just the regular 400-meter race, and uh, he mainly gets this because, like I said, since 1992, two people have set world records in this event, and he's done it twice. Nuts. What else can you say about yeah, like, what else he's the best? Yeah. He's the best runner when there's a hurdle in front of him that we have by, right now. By far and away, one hundred percent. That that's that's insane. Like Shout said, out the Netherlands, by the way. They are killer at the endurance stuff because oh, they had a, a lot of cycling too. Yeah, I think they had a triathlon guy that that medaled too or something too. Mm-hmm. Like they are like they're the distance guys. We always <laughs> forget about you until you show up at the Olympics. You're like, oh. Oh, it's shoot. like that. Oh, it's fuck. like that office meme where uh, Angela sneaks up on Dwight and he's like, "God, the oh, Netherlands man, popped out of nowhere." <laughs> uh, what, what player of the week? I'll I'll start player of the week uh, just so I can steal him away first. Caleb Dressel, five Olympic gold medals, Mister USA swimming, uh, and like I said, total like you know they're guys that you just have to. I, I I'll put it this way. I am recently in a new relationship. I would not watch Caleb Dressel swim with her just because I I am that that petty in that vein. Like you're just watching because he's cute. That's all I'm gonna say. Just 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 turn on a Caleb Dressel event and you'll see what I mean. Oh, easy to understand. Well, I will go off of that and say Mrs. USA swimming as my player of the week, Katie Ledecky. She has 15 swimming records. 15 like she had like the top 10 list for like um i think it's the 100 meter freestyle for record times is every single top 10 is her so like she is one two three all the way to 10 all the record times is all her name that is just unreal like, like i said kale dressel and kayla Decky, that that is just insane and Adeki is like i said i'm excited to see her for another eight years in, in usa swimming i think she can do it for a lot a lot more a lot longer um but man 15 records that like that's just unreal yeah uh real quick before we wrap things up honorable honorable mention for me uh, Mahin Lopez, he became the first man to win four individual gold medals in wrestling. Uh, he started his run back in Beijing in 2008. He was the Olympic gold medalist in super heavyweight Greco-Roman wrestling 2008, 2012, 2016, and just won his fourth uh, the other day. So that was actually pretty cool to see uh, more history being made in, in the sport of wrestling. But that will wrap things up here for this episode of the Far End of the Bench. We said it was jam-packed, and we're coming right up on the two hours. So if we go over, we apologize, but we just had we, we had a lot that we needed to get to. It was, it was a big week in sports. So we appreciate everybody listening so far. Like I mentioned, 
Yeah, this is episode 52. So I, I just have some stats that I wanted to write down uh, as I was thinking that I wrote down as I was thinking about this earlier today. We have been played in 38 states, uh, like nine countries uh, that we've had a listen in, but 38 states, 583 followers between all of our social medias, 36 sub- subscribers on YouTube, over a thousand views on YouTube, by the way, and 7,945 listens or plays in one year of podcasting for the far end of the bench. To, to say that I would have expected any of those numbers, I would be lying to you right, right to your face, but I can say that I am, I am, and I know Nico is as well, so grateful for everybody who've listened so far and, uh, you know, gone through the growing pains with us with the crappy mic and then getting the new recorder and all the technical difficulties, staying up until one o'clock in the morning to record after NBA finals games, you know, knowing that people listen and knowing that people enjoy listening every week is the reason that makes it worth it. So for me, and I know I'll give Nico a chance to say something about it too. I just wanted to thank all of the listeners so far that have listened, stopped listening, or just, you know, any supporter of the far end of the bench. Thank you from the bottom of, of my heart and, and our hearts as well. But Nico, it's crazy, right? Yeah. We we've come a long way from sharing one shitty mic. No offense to your original mic, one shitty mic. It's we've still being used. Long, we've come, we've come a long way since then. So shout out that mic, but yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. 52 weeks. It feel doesn't feel like a year. It really doesn't like it. Like time has flown by and, and we, we, we keep gaining new listeners every week. I think the, the, the fact that we've been in so many states and had so many listeners across the country, I think is really, really sweet. Shout out to all of our friends, all, all family, all, all, all fan, I guess fans. I, I, I wouldn't bench warmers. We'll just call it bench warmers. Cause yeah, I hate the word. I hate the word fans. So all the bench warmers that, that join us every single week, it's been a lot of fun. Like I said, we, we, we are able to get interviews. We're able to, to do fun content because we, we've started growing a little bit of a following. Hopefully it just keeps going more and more. Yeah. Uh, to continue to add to that following at FEOTB pod, all of our social medias, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, it's the best way to keep up to date with what's going on. Cause we announced our interview coming up this Friday with Kendrick green on our Twitter page. You can listen to the new episodes of this show on the unhinged sports network first Every Wednesday from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern, unhingedsn.airtime.pro. That URL is also where you'll be able to hear the premiere of our interview with Kendrick at 2 p.m. Eastern this Friday. Uh, So this week we'll have Wednesday, 1 to 3 p.m., Tuesday, 2 to 4 uh, p.m. Eastern time. And then be sure to subscribe to our YouTube as well. Follow us on your on-demand podcasting platforms. If you're listening on demand, leave a five-star rating with a review and we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. We have all of these bench warmers, all these people listening, leave us a review. We'll start giving you guys a shout out on the podcast. Um, but no, it, this has been really great. Be sure to tune in Friday because Kendrick has a lot of fun stories. He's got an interesting story himself as to where he's gotten and, you know, you get to watch him Thursday night and then get to hear him talk a little bit more, get to learn a little bit more about the guy behind the face mask uh, coming up on Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern on the Unhinged Sports Network. But for that, episode 52 of The Far End of the Bench, for myself, Jimmy Pilato, my co-host, Nico Bryant, thank you, everybody, for listening. We will catch you guys next week. Peace. When the night is cold and lonely This is a dollar bill,
Was it the money that made me a savage? Popping them purses and I made it a habit. Towing them pistols and serving them addicts. That was exciting to me. I'm so excited to be. Started with nothing, we had to inspire to be. All the friends again, hey to me. I'm getting to it. Feel like the man, I got the plan. I call the shooters, they out with the van. Play with the squad, get piled like a sand. Piled like a perk, I'm going ham. I'm going crazy, I'm yeah, sticking up for nigga. Let that music like I look a sand. I'm in the kitchen, compressing the bird. Take out a nine and I celebrate.